The Overview is a production of Chaman V TV. Find out more about the show at chamanv.tv. What's up, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 77 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and joining me tonight are ZP and Kai Kai and Mr. Destructoid. <laughs> it's Flames True Form, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> exactly. I think a lot of people out there in chat might think exactly the same thing. No, but how are you guys doing tonight? Good, good. Uh, not in Denver right now. I actually uh, get a little bit of time at home right now, so yeah. I actually have my normal setup. Uh, things are good. Yeah, definitely good. And, and Kyle, finally having you on the show, man. I remember talking to Ben like, I mean, I don't even know how long it's been, maybe like nine months ago. It's like, ah, we should have Kai Kai on the show. And it wasn't until nine months later we finally have you on. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Wasn't I on here like Were you? two years ago? Oh my god! Like am I ago. am I like totally way forgetting back, now? Way back in beta. In Were you beta. here on with Lane or was it by yourself? I think it was like I remember like leaving scrims early to come. Oh okay, God man, my it was in beta though. Seventy-seven episodes. This will do it to you, man. Just like getting old in 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 both things. So anyways, it's great to have you back. Definitely, um, it's gonna be fun getting a chance to catch up with you and everything that's going on since you're such a popular and busy person right now. So can't wait to find out some more about it. Uh, but Flame Guys, he'll be joining us a little bit later. He's kind of tied up in a, a meeting right now, but I figured we should start given that you know we're having a, a later time slot tonight, and I know a lot of you guys want to sleep. So we're going to get started without him, but there's a ton to talk about. It's one of those normal weeks here in the Overwatch community. We're going to talk some game first with some uh, discussion on perm bans and some drama that, that's been going on there. Uh, we're going to talk... So a little bit about meta, you know, kind of hear what you guys think about the the current uh, Mercy changes and Divas changes now that they're out on the ladder, and maybe Junkertown too, given that it's out now too. Um, and then uh, catch up with Kai Kai here, just in, in terms of everything that's going on with uh, you know contenders, uh, World Cup, OWL, Seagull, obviously being the the huge news that happened, and how that's you know obviously affecting or how you know Kyle's uh, uh, handling all that. And then uh, some team news, just like the usual, and, and player news. Lots of teams leaving in Overwatch again. <laughs> now that you know Contenders is ending, and, and obviously the OWL picture is completely clear now. Uh, and then you know some uh, some folks just changing roles and things like that. So uh, at the end, we'll talk about oh, we'll talk about Contenders too. Obviously, Week Six ending, going into the playoffs. So we'll talk about those results. Got some Q and A at the end too. So three folks uh, you know emailed their questions. Going to be happy to answer them. If you have any questions, go ahead and email those to theoverview at chmv.tv, and we'll try to get to them next week. But okay, let's talk about the game, guys, and perm banning. And uh, you know, they Blizzard recently came out with a, a post that on September 27th, which is going to be tomorrow, they're going to be laying down the perm or the ban hammer again on a lot of people, apparently. So. Um, you know, there's been a lot of discussions on that. And then we had today, or at least earlier, maybe it was late, I think it was early today, that we had another incident with Steve-O and, uh, you know, him getting banned yet again you know, with his uh, account that, you know, before was the whole bronze to Grandmaster account. Now, on top of that, you know, Steve-O is like, you know, definitely creating the rhetoric that, no, I was playing with my friends. 
So, you know, like, what's going on here? Like, I've been totally wronged. So I want to get your thoughts. What do, what do you guys think about the whole Steve-O thing first? And then we'll we'll talk about, I guess, the general Blizzard ban hammer. I mean, the Steve-O thing is pretty clear, right? Where <laughs> even if you didn't technically violate the rules, I think that Blizzard is sort of setting this precedent here where if you're a public figure, if you're a big streamer, if you are a competitive player, don't try and get cutesy and circumvent rules with, like, technicalities because it's clear to everyone what you're doing, in this case, uh, Steve-O doing, like, the Silver the GM streams. Because the entire purpose of all of it, regardless of what he says or how he did the account, was to create a scenario where he could go from Silver to GM. And I think it's just, when you're a public figure, technicalities aren't going to save you from <laughs> doing that sort of behavior. Any thoughts, Kyle? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know too much about it. I saw like the clips of him, like when he did get banned, and he didn't seem to like he seemed to know that it was coming both times. So, <laughs> right. I feel like there's no way around that. Like he expected it, he wanted it to happen. You think That's he wanted it to happen, really? Well, I mean, like, it, I, at least the first one that I saw, he was like, "Oh, I'm banned now." I was I was expecting this, and he just like laughs about it. So I, yeah, is, doesn't that? I can think it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, this one. Yep. I'm not sure if he expected it or not, if it was quite like that, but, you know, like you were saying, Zephy, I mean, it's not, I mean, circumventing the rules, I mean, that wasn't even a good attempt to circumvent the rules, you know, it's just like, seriously, like, you're, you're going to say that you, you know, you're going to push the whole rhetoric that, oh, you can't even play with your friends now, you know, and, and you know, if you're losing with your friends, then you're going to get banned. I mean, oh. it's clear that he was, like, immediately started his silver to Grandmaster stream right after that. Look, and for the people going, well, gee, is this a bad pre precedent? Isn't it a double standard? It, it's sort of two things here, right? One is that if you're going to be publicly streaming the game and sort of saying example, it mm -hmm. needs to be a good example. And two is more of practicality, right? Which is that yeah. for the average player, if you were the go play with your friends and like tank an account and then level it up, people wouldn't know because there's no real way of figuring that out from the admin point of view. But if you're going to publicly stream it and make your intentions clear, <laughs> right. Right. then yes, you can apply a different standard to a streamer than a normal player just because you actually have more evidence. So, yeah, I mean, band seems justified to me. Yeah, uh, agreed. And we'll see if, the, I mean, it shouldn't, uh, hopefully the drama won't continue for very much more. Just But uh, definitely what's going on today on Reddit, if you guys were keeping up with it. Um, but yeah, so talking about just, uh, you know, uh, the whole perm bans are going to be happening tomorrow. Um, you know, this is just some, continuing something that we talked about even a couple weeks ago, which was, you know, it's clear that Blizzard's doing stuff, right? Like the reports are, are they do matter in the end. And I think just more action, being more public with these kind of actions, I think just generally is good. Not too much to say about it other than that. I mean, I don't know. You guys have anything to add to it? I still think they're being too lenient with bands. Like when I oh, play, really? okay. When I play matchmaking, there's people that just want to ruin games and they don't care. But it seems there's way too many of them, and I know that it's like really hard to fix. But I don't know. If they just made it like more apparent that like people are gonna get banned, and they were just like being way looser about the bans, then maybe people would stop because they'd be more scared. I yeah. Don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely the fear. I mean, having very, very you know much much stiffer penalties will would scare some people. Um, but it's really about coming up with the you know what's the right algorithm. You know, like 
you could easily just ding somebody with, that just has a really bad day, right? Like somebody that's playing with you that's just like totally, you know, griefing or whatever. It could be like a one of a few, you know, incidents. Right now, I think it's just a matter of like what that threshold is because you know, whether it was like a few months ago or that, that guy with 2,000 reports or whatever, you know, like was finally perm banned and people were like, dude, it takes that many to actually get perm banned? That's like ridiculous. So I wonder what that number is now, now that, you know, obviously they're, trying to tweak it more and more. What do you think it should be, Kyle? Like, how many reports of, like, griefing do you think you should need? I just feel like there should be ways, like, when there are, like, X amount of reports, like, some low number that someone, like, maybe even, like, 25 reports in the same day or 20 mm -hmm. reports in the same day that someone... It That's could be someone's minimal. job to just sit there and, like, look at a replay of what actually happened. Because, like, I was in a game just yesterday or the day before where someone, to the very start of the game, just like, oh... I'm going to put my, a rock on my W key and auto run so I don't get AFK'd out. Have fun. And he, like, actually did that. <laughs> I mean, oh okay. God. First wow. of all, the guy might be a scumbag, but he was a man of his word to the point where, <laughs> from proxy, I kind of want to believe that he actually did put a rock, like a standard garden variety rock that scares Tiger's way onto his mouse and just uh, did that. But Yeah, so actually, this brings me to an interesting thought, which might, might be a little bit controversial, but... Um, Here's a question for CompQ, is that with the entire idea that ladder is sort of a path to being pro, do you think that GM or top 500 games should have stricter, uh, perhaps, admin moderation where you have, like, more resources pulled to just uh, looking at those games and making sure that those stay clean so at least people on the top are always trying their hardest to give better data to teams and stuff going forward? Uh, I, well, the topic of, like, top 500 games and the reason why I think they're better in Korea than they are here. It's just because in Korea, not you're not seeing every pro player with 10 Smurfs. And I feel like that's actually a huge problem for like the balance of these high-level games. And it like sets off the balance, and it also makes people not want to try sometimes. Like some of the lower-tier players, or like the, the lower-than-pro-tier players. So I actually feel like pros are part of the problem when it comes to these oh, these wow. high games. So would you like something then where maybe along the lines of you actually can't get top 500? Like you, you sort of get SR capped at say like 4100, 4K or something unless you say verify your account with the phone number. Just, just to give oh, ideas yeah. on how you could maybe limit the amount of Smurfs in the ultra high level games. I feel like that's very unlikely to happen. I think just pros should do their part to make the matchmaking better everyone wants it to be better but it seems like everyone's just like oh i'm 4600 now i'm gonna make a smurf now i'm gonna make a third now i'm gonna make a fourth and they're not really thinking about the long-term outcome and that if everyone else wants to do this as well right yep i agree all right i think flame is going to be joining us here in a second he's not on oh he's here matt yeah hey what's up bud what hey flame you put on your uh human face here we we, we saw the other side of you for a while <laughs> we had mr destructoid here <laughs> the bot there oh yeah God. we totally we did, did. <laughs> we totally did unlucky now, how you doing man we're, we're talking about bands right now just uh in case you, you didn't know just given that the perm bands talked to steve-o a little bit i don't know if you had any uh anything to add to the whole steve-o thing that might be I mean, there's two sides to it, right? There's like the side, I mean, I'm, I don't know what you guys have mentioned already, but there's like the side of you shouldn't be doing silver to GM streams because right. of how many games you ruined for that many people. But to Steve's point about like playing with your friends, I think that's like a separate issue that sure. Blizzard needs to tackle. That's not anything related to what he did. I think like, I think Blizzard seemed okay with him actually making a silver account to play with his gold friends, but not him promoting his stream using it. 
But I think it's just Blizzard has a thing with streamers, right? Like they don't want people just on, that are the face of the game or, you know, publicizing the game in a negative light. And I mean, people do what DeFran did every day. People do what Steve-O did every day, but they don't market it. And that's like the real thing that Blizzard goes after. Yeah, yeah that, that's effectively what we covered. The other thing, too, there is just the idea that it's another level of evidence, right? Where if you're not streaming it and telling people exactly what you're doing, you actually don't have that next or extra level of proof that says, yeah, this was intentional from the GM point of view. But when you make it public on a stream, you're kind of making it pretty easy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's some kind of, I mean, whatever that algorithm is, it's got to definitely, it has something to do with frequency because, you know, if, if I, if we all played with our friends that are low level, we're all going to lose too, right? So I wonder if there's anything they can do within an account to maybe give you like two modes, you know, um, I don't know. No other game's done that, right? Has there been an FBS game that's, that's had that ability to basically have like two personas, you know, with the same account, you know, and... I don't know. Has, has that kind of design ever been implemented? Because I have that issue right now too. Like whenever I'm playing with like my my son or I'm playing with you know just friends, it, it's a drastic difference. You know, so like my average is somewhere in the you know the that platinum range or whatever. Uh, Chris, uh, real question here. Uh, yeah. Not not really uh, on topic, but still very important. Is your son better than your friends? Is my son better than my friends? Uh, no. No, not quite. He's getting there though, but it, no, not quite, not quite. Right. I'm really just trying to shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever. But um, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, I think everybody that only has one account will always have this as a potential problem. And now we're throwing in bans as a potential issue. Then you know it, it is something that they have to be wary about. And uh, there will be some cases. You know, Steve is obviously a just not one of these cases. But there will be cases where this will accidentally get somebody that shouldn't be banned right mm, yeah i mean i don't know blizzard said that there were less than 200 i'm sure it's pretty easy to catch um depending on like ips and you know rate of growth or whatever i don't think anybody's just gonna randomly decide oh i'm silver today i'm just gonna become a gm tomorrow and you know grind that without it having already been a gm mm -hmm. So it's kind of, I don't know, I don't think that it'll accidentally catch anybody, but Blizzard seems pretty on top of it in terms of, like, what they're doing now. Yeah. I didn't, But back to your point about, like, playing with your son, there's definitely a problem when it comes to, like, not being able to play with your plat friends. Yeah. And, like, Dota does solve it in a way with, like, ranked queue and, like, you know, group. Like, you can team up and there's a separate SR for that. But I don't know. There's definitely a t There's definitely been a lot of times where people are like, hey, you want to play Overwatch with me? And I'm like, I can't. Like, I actually just can't. And, like, I think that that mm -hmm. sucks. So I don't, but that needs to be solved separately, I think. And I don't know what their plans are for that. The other 3v3. 3v3? Yeah. You think so? Yeah. Okay. 3v3. I mean, 3v3. I mean, if you want to, yeah. But it's the same there, issue there's a... in 3v3. It's just, I mean, right? 3v3, you could have, let's just say you ranked high in 3v3 and then you have the same issue, right? Well, one quick thing I want to note that I think has actually been a problem for a long time. And it's because I think Blizzard really values the sanctity of quick play to, uh, pretty crazy degree is that quick play is not quick play when you take an yeah. account that you know was high level and high performance and quick play and try and play with your friends you are oftentimes looking at incredibly long queues i would like to see quick play turned into sort of a no holds barred look we're just gonna grab the first few people and get into it and maybe they don't want to do this because of fears of stomping or whatever but it just it there for mm. me at times i've played i feel like quick play will take three to four times longer than actually getting to a ranked game. And there's something kind of a miss there 
in regards to that. Like, I think whatever MMR controls are in quick play right now need to be pretty severely relaxed, and that might yeah, actually I help play with, with friends. I agree with that. Yeah, oh, definitely the wait time I agree with, but do you think that... Wow, I mean, I, I'm wondering if there should be maybe even a little bit more incentive like to play quick play if that's what they, they want all of us to go to. You know, like, if they want quick play to basically be like an alternate account for us, then, you know, to encourage us to do that, you know, I... I would think that they might just give some type of different incentive to do that. You know, well, the game just doesn't have pubs, right? Like that's the problem is like the game doesn't have a mindless pub. And, like even yeah. like I, I tell this story all the time, but like I've done stream viewer games with like other streamers and they're like plat or gold streamers. And if you try to queue with them in quick play, like it gives you like GM like enemies to like make it even for you or something. Yeah, and then cool. it never it doesn't bring you down. It brings everyone else up and then it just ruins the game for everybody else. Like they just get yep. stopped. Oh, I see you're what like, you mean. I can't really play and you like you say, oh quick play with your friends, but it's not that simple. Like you just bring them into like this death trap more or less. And it's after a long wait time too, I might add. After a long wait time. So I mean look, yeah. I get it. The the and truth be told, I mean this is probably what the rank system was based on too with individual SRs that so for all the perils of the rank system as it is right now, you know, one thing it does really, really well is that because of how individual SR rating works, it makes it so that if you did have, say, a super top level player that was on a silver level account, they will immediately rocket up the GM quicker than anything else. That is the one thing individual SR does better than uh, any other ranking system you yeah. can do. So I think in general, the reason why quick play is the way it is and part of the why individual SR is the way it is, is that the number one thing that Blizzard wanted to protect against, I feel like, was the idea of like people getting stomped uh, at lower levels. So I don't know if they actually would ever change quick play. Okay. Well, um, why don't we uh, move on to some meta talk and uh, really get a... Just just uh, hear about what you guys think about the new changes now that's out in the wild. So uh, you know, Mercy is out there now. Diva's out there. Junkertown's now out there too. But you know, just a day out there, so probably not too much data there. But overall, you guys get a chance to play the Mercies and Divas out there. And what do you guys think? Uh, Start with you, Kyle. Like, what have you seen? I, I know you've been focused obviously on the old <coughs> patch for quite a bit with it, but have you gotten a chance to play it all? Yeah, I've been, I've been playing. Bit over the past week, I think I was kind of talking to you about this before, but I think Mercy kind of like is really ruining the game for me right now, personally. And I know a lot of uh, higher tier players feel the same way. I think Diva is fine. I know people are like saying that it's the lowest damage blocked and the highest damage done now, but who cares? It's more fun. No one's <laughs> complaining about it not right. being fun to play against. But so, Mercy is is just actually ruining the pace of the game. Funny, like, uh. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, just a funny add-on to your diva story. So, I'm been grinding out my Smurf to get myself back up to a high level, so I understand gameplay flow because the changes were significant. And I was talking to uh, Matt last night, and Matt's just like, "Yeah, I'm just pubbing, whatever." And I shit you not, I see this diva in my game where I don't recognize him, GM level or sorry, a top 500 level, just utterly crushing the crap out of people on this diva. And I messaged Matt, I was just like, are you the student of my game? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this diva's sick right now. So it, I guess what they know is that the diva changes, however they may play out, it hasn't made her bad. Like, you could still very much carry and just sort of pull a Winston in a sense, where, you know, Winston would jump on a backline support, prop, prim Primal Rage, and delete someone. Well, diva can do that without an ultimate now. If she finds a Zenyatta or something in the back, that dude's getting deleted. Yeah, I don't know. In my opinion, the diva change is pretty cool. I don't mind it. It's like mm -hmm. the hero 
it's it's more fun to play against. It's less. It feels less cheesy than holding right click a lot. Like you can kind of just pop high noon now, and I mean, there's going to be like a timing window where you can hit the diva and get her out of mech. Same with like uh, attack fires. You can definitely make it work now. So the hero just feels gimped in that regard, but the damage does make her more fun, and like the rockets just feel cool to aim, even if like they're not doing that much damage all the time from range. But I agree with Kyle on the mercy thing. Like I played. What was it, Hanamura today on offense? It's like the worst feeling when you get to last point and there's just two Valkyrie Mercies like flying above your head. You, there's like five beams on every single player. You see Winston bubbles, you see like oh Winston God. tasers, you see self destructs, you see pulse bombs. Like everything's just flashing. It feels like you're at a rave. And it's even worse now because Sensor you have overload. the overload. <laughs> and then, like, but you think you get a kill and you work really hard for kills in this game because tanks are like surprisingly tanky and healing is pretty good, but. Like, you get a kill and you just don't get rewarded because Mercy's like, well, uh, nope. Mm. <laughs> and then every six seconds, like, it takes six seconds to kill people half the time. So you have to run these, like, really big wombo combos. But then if you mess up your wombo combo, you lose. So, I, I don't know, it feels really weird. And I don't like the pacing as well because it just makes fights go on forever. I don't think the casters realize how bad it's about to be for them. Oh, I think ZP, right? oh, yeah, I'm already aware. I've been grinding <laughs> stuff aware. out like since getting back yeah. to Minnesota, just because, like I said, I think it's part of what I want to do here, so I have a good grasp of gameplay flow doing play-by-play -play and whatnot, and good lord. I think one thing that I think is very interesting to note here is that the value of picking off the Mercy, where now Mercy is by far the highest value pick-off, where, if you think about it, like, pick-offs that aren't Mercy don't matter anywhere near as much because you can... Uh, erase the mistake and it puts a team under pressure because they don't have their free res up for a while but it's not as big as they pick off before the mercy buff <laughs> however if you do pick off a mercy think about what that means not only are you down a player which has all the negative downsides that being picked off pre-patch had before but the other team still has a mercy which means if you do like even things out with a quick pick uh, their mercy is going to be able to res them back up and a, if she has alt that could actually end up being two people res back up so how swingy it is right now in regards to winning a fight off a mercy pick is a little bit ridiculous because I think right now, you know, we haven't casted it yet because we haven't had live games on it, but I do think if it went live in its current form, there would be just a ridiculous stat confirmation where the team that gets a first mercy pick would be winning the team fight like 95% of the time. It would I can't wait until the team fights where it's like Monty and Doa or like you and somebody <laughs> or Mitch and somebody and it's just like one person talking for like five minutes straight every single time that the fight starts. It. That would be yeah, you just awesome. have to rap God. For, like there's no time for analysis. It's just the game is constantly. <laughs> exactly. And then it'll always end with, oh, they killed the mercy. We, we might be able to see, you know, like that's what it's going to come down to. It's It feels really weird. So we were talking a little bit before on Flame, but I'll ask you, and then Kaika, you can win as well if you want. But what do you think this does to both McCree and Widowmaker? But both McCree, where the res sort of shores up some of his weaknesses before where he would dive really hard to early dives, now he can bring him back up. But also just the ability of those two heroes to potentially burst down an enemy mercy. I mean, they're definitely better, and they definitely feel better, and like mm. they definitely feel more game-changing now. But it's like, I, I, it goes back to like the age-old problem of like, if you have to run those heroes to counter like this easier to play hero, is it really that good of a situation to be in? I don't know. Like it's definitely easier to execute on mercy than it is to execute on widow. And I would even argue the same for McCree, but I don't it, It's weird. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't like it, but they definitely come into the meta. If mercy's meta, like a hundred percent, I think Sombra becomes infinitely more strong as well because mm, yeah. like hacks and EMPs against mercy will be a lot more useful, but it's just the game is in a weird spot right now, for sure.
I think picking Widow to counter Mercy, the new Mercy, is actually something that'll still be very map-dependent and situational. Like, you can't just yeah. pick a Widow only to kill Mercy, or you could just find yourself in terrible fights all the time. However, like, McCree, especially on the PTR patch, where you can just, like, cancel Lucio ults, and then the <laughs> ult's gone, yeah. I think McCree is getting better and better and better with all these patches. Everything's looking Taibu? <laughs> yeah, Taibu McCree, it's, that's the key right now. It's been a while since we've been... Yeah, man, Get, had that crazy McCree and just our McCree dominance. It's been what, like a year and a half, maybe, or something like that, since McCree's been crazy. Uh, was was definitely off the charts. Um, but so okay, so obviously not very happy with the current, like maybe the current state of Mercy or maybe uh, Mercy affecting the flow. But how do you feel about just the the change to begin with, just the design, you know, from playing Mercy? Because what I want to get at is just like, what could we change to make it better? Like, what kind of things could we still do keeping it, you know, like, I, I think the way it is from the standpoint of adding a little bit more skill cap to Mercy and still not compromising the flow. Well, given the fact that's not an ultimate anymore, if you think about how Rez used to make Mercy incredibly vulnerable in early Overwatch, where you hit Rez and it'd basically be press Q to die, similar to Barrage. Yeah. I think that's completely fair when you're talking about a hero now that gets it as a normal ability where effectively what I, and there's multiple ways to fix this. Don't get me wrong, but this is just one idea is that you make it. So the mercy is sort of locked in place for 1.5 to two seconds after a res. So at the very least, you have to commit a tank to use a cooldown or something to protect her when she does it. The idea of a Mercy just sort of solo running in on her own won't be as effective because it'll be more likely to get punished uh, when she goes for those resurrections. That sounds like it'll like it could fix it a little bit, but it also sounds like it would be very like clunky to play as, or like if you know you're gonna res and just get rooted for two seconds, it's gonna be very like anti-fun for the player. I think that True. the ult needs to last less time for one. And then I actually think that res should just be deleted from the game entirely and just given up on. I don't feel like it really has really? a good place wow. in the game. Okay. I agree with that, by the way. Like, if at the as far as it goes, I'm not sure it's likely, but I think res does create like huge gameplay issues. I liked, I mean, I personally like the old one better, but like it's hard to justify the old one, right? Like, the, the, I agree with Jeff and whoever made that post about like the play style being a problem. I think that there's like probably a way to make res good. Like, I wouldn't hate it if it was, like, a super fast-building ult like EMP, and it was just, like, one charge, and you could, like, keep doing it or something. But there's definitely something cheesy right now about the insta-res or the, the coming out of spawn res. Yeah, and the right? frequency. And, like, yeah, so. and then, like, when you... I don't like Valkyrie as an ability. I like... I think that, like, you could maybe make res, like, the ult. Like, it would just be, like, a one-man res would be, like, the ult. And then you, like, make her eat... Like, you give her another E that's just, like... And maybe you give her, like, or maybe her E just gives her more control over her flight and she can just, like, solo fly every, like, 15 or 10 seconds or something. But I don't know. Like, the the quad beams feel clunky right now, in my opinion. Like, the, the octopus mercy concept is, like, from a viewer and, like, a player perspective, it's so hard to follow and, like, just to get behind. And the ult just being able to get people, like, the thing with Farah, too, is, like, Farah is really strong in chaotic teamfights where players just really can't look up because they're going to die to whatever's in front of them. Mm -hmm. But now you have, like, this other added hero that's just flying above you at this, like, with the Farah now that's, you can't shoot at either of them at the same time. And, like, the Mercy's passively regening, and then the Farah's regening because the Mercy's healing, and then... You, there's really only like one or two heroes that can even deal with that and then you have like the fact that mercy's genji dashing more or less in between these heals and it's 
it feels really weird and they definitely have to find a middle ground that's not the old mercy but definitely not the new mercy well i think i think we're in that state where we've seen it with other uh heroes like diva where there's just no weakness to her you know like there should clearly be more i mean it should be toned down at least something whether it, it is like the beams whether it's res i mean i think if you just lowered the res frequency or or up the cooldown by a lot i think that would be much more manageable like even those early picks like then the mercy would have to decide like do i actually use it right now and then you know like we'd have to stall you know possibly for a team fight um but right right now i feel like it's you know the fact that the ult resets it for one and the fact that it's 10 seconds you know after that there's definitely something messed with that because you can rest too many people in a short like a, a small period of time well, there's also one thing that also feels a little bit strange about just the grinding things out recently as well, which is that, as is, heavy tank comps with Mercy felt really awkward when you res like four incredibly beefy bodies, but yeah. it feels really bad right now when you spend a lot of time like killing a Roadhog where he's like incredibly tanky now, or Reinhardt or Diva. Like, it takes effort to pick these heroes off early on if they overextend. And then you have Mercy just go, oh, nope, back, full HP, lol, lol. That is a really bad feeling when you're fighting against a Mercy, and at the very least, I don't think tanks should be coming up with full HP because it's a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, there's also like the concept of that's a good idea too. That happened. I mean, in Evolve, they did it. Like, if you brought someone back to life, they only had 75 percent of their max. Like, that's a kind of cool way to do it, but Mm -hmm. it puts you in this weird spot where now, if like it wouldn't work, I don't think, because if you brought back Tracer and Tracer just had 110 HP, they'd think you were trolling or something. <laughs> There's also the case too where like when you res someone you could get old from them too. So if they're low HP it could be like beneficial in some situations. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, so yeah, that's I true. think there's a lot of things that they could do, but clearly it's in a position where it's just, you know, too good. There needs to be something that she's just not that great at at least ability-wise. Um but I'd be surprised if they completely toned down the res. I mean, just what they've done with it seems like it'd be tough to change or without redefining or even more, I think, which is so like, kind of crazy. And this is this is probably like, I mean, Overwatch League is obviously soon, but like this isn't going to be viewable. Like this will probably be the hardest to watch thing or follow meta will ever have. I think if it stays like this, that's bad I don't timing. think we'll, <laughs> that's pretty bad think, timing. Yeah, I don't, that's what I mean. I don't think we'll wow. ever. I don't think the game will ever be in a spot like, or it's ever been in a spot that's this hard to spectate because. You're gonna have fights going on, on the ground. You got Mercy's flying around. You're gonna have like even more beams and like fights that are going on forever that you can't follow with the kill feed. It's gonna be really, really hard. I think it's actually going to put a lot on whoever the play-by-play caster is for this particular patch because it's gonna be up to you to maintain proper hype during an entire fight where you can't lose your mind when you see an early pulse bomb that gets a good team fight opening because it's not quite what it used to be. You're really going to have to manage the tempo of the game to give people an idea, is this team winning? Is this team losing? And where you're at in the fight, because the ability to bring people back up with res from the Mercy really does change the viewing experience in regards to, does this matter? Does this not? It, it, it's actually probably going to be the most challenging patch for a play-by-play caster, I would say. Okay, well, um, you know, hopefully we'll see some changes, or at least we'll get a chance to see. I mean, I, I do want to see an event using the the new patch and, and see what it's going to be like. And they obviously learn a ton too when they actually see it being done and produced, and, and what kind of issues that it brings up. Uh, but I feel like it's not going to be for a while <laughs> until we see a big change. 
hopefully it's in time for season one because I definitely would not like OWL to start on that note where we have like don't even have a meta that's very conducive for uh, you know the league to you know to have a lot of success in the beginning. Um, but okay, why don't we move on? Um, you know, given that we have Kai Kai here, and, you know, he's a guest we haven't had in for a while. I uh, figured we'd catch up with you, man. And generally, like how how you're doing? Are you so? Are you where do you live right now? Are you moving like to? to dallas or la like what's the deal here man i don't like i'm not sure what's going on oh right now we're all still in charlotte for maybe two or three weeks maybe four okay four max hopefully but then we're moved to dallas and then we'll be in dallas for a month and then we move to la for overwatch league so we'll be moving like crazy all right and moving to dallas i mean dallas is obviously going to be more of the the perm home eventually right uh, so I guess the team house is there or where, uh, or there's going to be a team house there. And then, uh, you guys just living in hotels or, or apartments or whatever over in LA kind of thing. I don't know what we're doing in LA exactly yet. We don't have all the information there, but for Dallas, we're all probably getting our own apartment and we'll have an office that we walk to every day, like any other job. And we would just work from the office and like have a practice room there. Okay. All right, that's different. That's definitely a different approach. It might be good to separate, you know, like living situations from from practice. I know everybody's always thought team houses are the way to go, right? Just because you can just live together and you know just live live that life together. But well, Tenvi's Tenvi's correct. They've been on the system for a while. Correct if I'm wrong. In Charlotte, they've had apartments and a place yeah. to practice as well. And I mean, it's just creating that work life balance, right? Where you think about it, not every team is going to have everyone love each other to where they want to hang around them 24-7. <laughs> I mean, frankly, for most people, even if you're good friends, you don't want to hang around them 24-7. So having that degree of space, I feel like, is pretty useful. Yeah. I live with my roommate who I worked with for like a year. And by like month six, I never wanted to see him again. Like, actually, <laughs> I like went to work with him. I saw him at work. I saw him at the apartment. Like, you just, you realize like how much space you need, I think, once... Like, I can't even imagine with that many people. So it's definitely healthy, and you definitely need that, I think. Oh, it's awkward when you get to that point with somebody, man. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't stand the kitchen, to look at you like, anymore. Oh, dude, I just, yeah. Clean this sink, you. Take the trash out. Yeah. I know, it's actually so <laughs> bad. Hex and I uh, shared an Airbnb for the uh, Overwatch Carbon series, and it really did help our on-screen chemistry and everything else, uh, no doubt about it. But there was a point where just like, look, I'm going to avoid you for like two days, and we're, you know, we're, we're just going to try and carve out some personal space here in our tiny Airbnb. And yeah. I mean, it's just, it's needed in the end. Yeah. Um. Uh, talking about contenders, you know, like you guys, obviously, congrats on making the playoffs, number one seed, just dominating the regular season so far. Uh, but how, how confident are you guys feeling going into the playoffs? Uh, we're pretty confident. I think most of our time throughout the regular season has been us doing tryouts as well as like many canceled scrims from those teams doing tryouts themselves. So we haven't gotten too much practice, but we're now we're actually like coming to a point where we can sit down and like hash everything out as a whole team mm -hmm. so it's it's i think we're pretty confident going in for sure i mean we all we've obviously beat both team or all three teams there already so <laughs> yeah clearly the favorite going into this playoffs and um i don't think anybody would be betting against you guys at this point uh but you did mention like you know just some of the players trying on and doing some distractions obviously with overwatch league you know we've heard lots of teams you know having you know, very or 
lots of teams being very distracted in this contender season to the point where, like you were saying, just with not having that much practice, some teams don't even practice at all, right? And just going into some of these matches. Uh, how much of a distraction has it been for you guys? Has it been really, really bad? Or you guys have still been able to focus just on game days or leading up to game days? Well, our typical routine would be for a while was just we'd only do tryouts on the day after our break and our break would be the day after a match. So we mm -hmm. do it one day a week and then we'd have the rest of the week. So it wasn't too much of a problem. Oh, yeah. I think it was mostly just a lot of added work for me at night and stuff like having to like find tryouts, talk to everyone, do interviews and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it does impact the team somewhat. Like obviously we're trying to find the right fits. We are taking some of our valuable, very minor scrim time away from the team to do these tryouts. Mm -hmm. I think we actually scrim the least time out of every team. Like our schedule is the lightest out of every team just because of our internet is really bad at nighttime. Oh really? Why is that? Just people it's just, downloading stuff at night? It, it's like a Charlotte routing thing, like to what? Overwatch servers. We can't, like, okay. so the normal scrim blocks for NA teams are 3 to 5, or 5 to 7, and 8 to 10. or It's 6 hours between that time, however teams do it. Cool. And we can't do that last block because of our internet. So that's hurt wow. us a little mm. bit. Well, at least you are moving soon. So I had two follow-ups that are more general contenders. And for, feel free to go as deep or not so much on these as you like. But um, one, And I'll just say two questions and you can go through it. But uh, one question I had was in regards to team strength here. Envision came out fairly strong relative to other teams and Season 1 contenders in the beginning and then dropped off. My point of view, I wasn't doing an A, but just as an observer, I, I sort of felt like that was more other teams failing to perform rather than Envision like playing super crazy well during that time period. And I'm just kind of curious what you think of them. And then uh, the second thing is that Immortals obviously had the biggest drop-off of all from Season 0 to Season 1, where they went from defending champions to barely winning games, uh, especially uh, in the early and middle parts of the season. Why do you think Immortals had such a large drop-off? Uh, I, I touched on this a little bit before on the last podcast I was on, but I think that a big issue that Immortals may have had is how they designate their their calling, because like, I'm not 100% sure on this, but like I said before, I, I think Grim Reality does, or was doing a lot of their calling, and as a Tracer player, I don't think that's ideal at all. Like, I really don't think you want your Tracer player talking that much. I could be wrong. I really don't know what they're doing now, so don't like take everything I say as as word for or whatever but i don't know immortals is doing fine now they've got they've gotten better i think they've hashed out a lot of their mistakes or their their problems and they're definitely only up and then uh for envision uh were they strong or were other teams underperforming like where do you kind of rate them <laughs> well i th i think they got a really lucky schedule i don't think they're bad especially um jaru i think yeah, that he's like he's a very reliable playmaker player like he's someone you can count on to make the plays happen but that team as a team i i don't know how i wouldn't say they're top four in na but i don't know they have strengths but they have a lot of weaknesses fair okay yeah totally um and um yeah so in, in terms of contenders uh I mean, this is like the last time you guys are going to play in contenders, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't like season two, obviously is going to be a new crop of, or maybe some of you'll see some of these teams, but for the most part, you know, all the big dogs will be in OWL. Um, anything that you're taking from just hold this contenders experience? I mean, has it just been 
more like practice for you guys or i mean owl, it's the owl rating room yeah, <laughs> the owl rating think, room, exactly right i think the whole owl thing has made this season kind of weird it's mostly like a tryout season or a season mm-hmm. for people that for other people that are on the teams that aren't on owl to kind of like show off and get noticed so it's kind of a weird season the interesting thing that i figured out last weekend was that i think our match against rogue is the last online match we'll ever play hopefully yeah that's which is wow, exciting i didn't think about that that's crazy that's yeah sad. so i think the, the rest <laughs> of our watch games will be in land for the rest of the, our careers you, you don't bring some show matches maybe yeah but, yeah, yeah. True. You, you don't foresee any tournament, uh, like potentially in an off season period, uh, being run that might run online qualifiers or anything like that. Because I feel like those are still a possibility. It, obviously, Owl wouldn't do that, but you think towards uh, whatever an off season might entail, I feel like there could be the possibility of online qualifiers for that. Although I think a team of Envy's caliber would generally get direct invites to a land portion if they had it, but th- that's the only scenario I could see happening there. I can't see it. Um, you can go, but I was going to say, I don't think you can see a team. I don't see a scenario where they wouldn't invite the Owl teams, especially since there's only 12. I mean, at least for the next two years. Like, why would you, <laughs> even if you were going to do online qualifiers, it would probably be for like one or two teams to like get the chance to compete with them. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's going to be some online tournaments. I guess it's a matter of will MVS play in those tournaments or would they rather maybe take. You know, some yeah, time I, off. I, we'll be on break, sort of probably. Exactly. Yeah, go on vacation. Right, you know? right. Like, if you look at the League of Legends LCS teams, after they're done, after their season's over, they all go home, and then they mm-hmm. come back, like, a week or two before their next season starts. Like, you're not going to be, we're not going to be going back to the apartments and practicing in the off-season. Yeah. It's just not very likely. Well, we got to prevent the burnout, man. You got you to take a break. So, um, I don't know. Those off-season tournaments might be another contenders like thing I, I think you'll see some of the teams playing in them but I, i'd be surprised if all of them were um so any well oh, you'll de- just to clarify you definitely will see some of the teams playing in them because what part of the uh owl like when they talked about the owl licenses that teams get to run their mm, tournaments true. right like they get a license to run their tournaments so obviously if envy or nrg or whatever host a tournament using one of those licenses you would tell your team to get in there and play it would be weird if you said actually you know we're using this but you guys just stay out yeah i wasn't sure how they were going to use that though like i wasn't clear if it was actually the pro teams that were involved in that or if it was more they were doing more you know more of a community type of tournament thing in those cities so but you think it's going to be pro team like basically the pro teams would be the hosts and you know, bring on I, I, just all the good teams type of thing. Maybe not every tournament, but I could definitely see some of those being held. I mean, okay. if it's a, I mean, obviously, I don't know what it fully entails, but if it's no strings attached, I don't see why you wouldn't try and uh, yeah. hold a big event at some point. Yeah, leveraging yeah. that. Okay, well, uh, talking about OWL, I know we can't talk too much given that there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. All these people here. Uh, you know, we we obviously be a little bit careful, but just general thoughts, Kyle. Like, and you know, with this whole o- OWL, and you know, now MVS is obviously secure and and, and having a, a spot, and just the whole ride that's about to happen here. Like, just thoughts. Uh, well, the biggest thing in my mind right now is I'm hoping that there's a Christmas break in the preseason. That's really <laughs> all I can think about. What? Okay. So I'm trying to plan a vacation. But other than that, yeah. I think Al is going to be fun. I think living with all the teams in LA is going to be a blast. Everyone's going to get to know each other. 
uh, I think the community is going to become a lot closer that way too. I think the competition is going to be a lot better since it's all LAN. Uh, I mean, yeah. I must just say I'm excited for it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunity for content too. So I'm I'm very excited to see what kind of content can come with having everybody close. Like everybody's in the same city, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. I can help you with the schedule later if you want in the <laughs> DM. <laughs> I definitely know. Dates. Just, just slide into those DMs. No, I definitely know dates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, Good, because I'm just trying to figure out dates. So yeah, I'll message you. <laughs> No, that's cool, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, I think you're in a great spot now, and it, you know, you definitely put in a lot of work that's just leading up to OWL. So, um, it's it's really great to see you, you know, getting a chance to do that and and really really secure there. Uh, World Cup. So you know, obviously, wait, do you want to talk about Brandon? I want to talk about Brandon. No, we're gonna get to Brandon. I'm just kind of like saving it. We're definitely gonna get to Brandon in a second. But World Cup. So, um, just real quick on World Cup. You, you know, obviously, you coach the U.S. team and. Uh, anything going on there with the World Cup? Or is it just like all OWL contender stuff right now? Yeah, right now it's just all Overwatch League and contenders. I don't think there's any World Cup team that's actually practicing out of the eight because everyone's in the same boat right now. Right. After contenders is over, I assume practice will start, assuming that there's teams to play against. We are planning a boot camp for Team USA, but that also is dependent on teams that are practicing. So Yeah. For for the record, I gave Mr. X very dirty looks when he uh, cursed us with his terrible ball handling skills and uh, put USA against Korea in the first round. I I want Korea <laughs> first. So yeah, that's I'm what Jake said, right? First. Jake said it was on the show saying that too. Give us Korea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think everyone's got their reasons, but it's something that Team USA actually talked about, and I think I kind of got them on the page where, like, playing Korea first, that is our best chance to win, and I, it's what we want. Because I think if we beat Korea, we're just going to pretty much carry out the rest of the tournament with ease. I think our our morale is going to be super high. I think teams are going to be scared of us. And I also think that Korea as a team, like they're bringing a full coaching staff or like a full support staff with them, I'm pretty sure. So if, if you're playing them in their second match or, or finals, they're going to have a lot of material on you just from your first or second game. So I don't yeah. think that's what other teams really want. That's actually a very good uh, point, yeah, too. Yeah. And also the part where, of course, we don't know what patch you'll be on exactly. We just know that it won't be the patch that BlizzCon group stages were on. So any info that they have already is kind of dated info compared to what we'll be playing there. So, yeah, in terms of prep, makes sense. Well, excited to see that. I mean, I think the USA Korea match is going to be so hype uh, at BlizzCon. It's going to be rocking the entire place can't wait to see that and um yeah so usa all the bit, way baby yeah it's a little bit further down but should we touch on the team sweden stuff since that's the only other bit of world cup news and uh, okay, we're talking about team sure. usa anyways sure. yeah so there's some news um just with team sweden and that's that uh reinforce no longer is on the team so he's been replaced and um you know, reinforced obviously is you know being off the misfits, or I think he's still officially part of misfits, but he's just obviously not on the on the playing roster right now, um, or he's a backup right now. So this is just like another step, I guess, towards reinforce not playing, you know, as much. And I, I don't know if it's so much by choice or not, but um, yeah, just generally, um, you know, he's he's doing all the analyst work right now, which is great. You know, that's it's awesome that he has something to fall back on. But overall, yeah, reinforce as a player is this the last that we've we're going to see of Johnny playing? 
Well, I don't know about all that. I'll let Kai Kai and Flame answer that. I was just going to say, the entire thing surprised me because I thought committees could only replace players if uh, there was sort of a... They couldn't make it or they were like willfully disobeying or there was some like mitigating factor because everything about this indicates that it was a straight up, well, we want to replicate our Misfits dynamic, so go away, which seemed a bit cold-hearted, I would say, for an exhibition match. Really? Do you That's want, what do you want a cold-hearted Damn. response, or do you want like a sympathetic response from me? Uh, go from the heart. Um. So to Chairman's question about whether it's the end of Reinforced as a player, I think that's up to him, and I think it's been up to him, and I think he keeps um, going back and forth on it in his head, and it's making it's putting him in a worse position in both scenarios instead of just committing to one. Um, and I I don't. I, to ZP's point, when it comes to like the politics and whatever replicating, I think there was never a guarantee that if you were at the qualifiers, you were going to be at World Cup. And I think that I, Kyle can talk to that because he would definitely know more than both of us. But the way it was presented to me or how I understood it was that if you wanted to make roster changes for the World Cup, you could totally just do it. And there was no like restrictions on it. Um. But in terms of like his playing, like he's been doing contenders for the past six weeks and on a laptop. I mean, maybe the decision came in a little too early. Maybe he could have grinded back to full speed when he went home and like now he's home and he has a month to practice before World Cup. But if you were looking at it from like a, is he warm or whatever, like good to go, you could definitely make an argument that he wasn't regardless of whether or not the politics were there. So I don't know, like, there's two sides to it. It seems a little scummy, like, and I definitely agree. It seems a little scummy, and the whatever player politics went behind it is definitely scummy. But I remember last year, Team Sweden was like one of the most dysfunctional groups of human beings that like I'd ever seen, and like anyone that was at World Cup knows like how that was or how that team felt and like how they treated each other. So I'm not too surprised, but you definitely don't want a toxic environment on your team going into World Cup or being at BlizzCon. I think you want everyone in BlizzCon to be like in super high spirits and like really happy that they're on the team with each other, like similar to how Team USA feels and similar just to how most of the teams there felt like doing, during all of the qualifiers. Every team was just so cheerful and everyone was so happy. I mean, the only exception I'll give is maybe like Spain. But that was another off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it didn't work out for them, you know? Like, it didn't work out for them. And Sweden barely made it to World Cup. Like, they did not perform super well at that qualifier, given all of their, you know, all the benefits that they had with their Misfits roster. So if there was going to be a toxic environment, it makes sense. If you didn't think he was up to par because he hadn't been playing for a while, it makes sense. But at the end of the day, is it scummy? Yeah, it's definitely scummy. I haven't seen Reinforce play in a while, but if he did want to join an Overwatch League team, he basically only has like a week to try out for teams. Right? Like his his opportunities are kind of fading away. He's at contenders uh, right now, so it's he's well, no, no, okay. he's back up now. Like oh, he's back. Okay, so he's not doing the playoffs. Okay, so yeah, he. I assume yeah. he's back uh, up in Sweden right now. Yeah, so he just got he just left or whatever contenders. So now he's basically got this last week of contenders scrims to trial for teams and i don't know how many teams will be doing trials in the next few weeks but the deadline's coming up for the rosters so i feel like his opportunities are slipping away there uh on the topic of the the changing roster there was a roster lock for the qualifier and which was like pretty early and then the roster lock for blizzcon was september 1st 
So it's been a thing for a while. He had to have known for a while. You're allowed to change the roster however you want. Whether or not they should or shouldn't have done it, I think that you can say that it was like kind of a kind of a bad way to treat him, I guess, in some way. But at the same time, I think it makes complete sense from a competitive perspective, right? Like they're playing with Swoosh, he's their tank now, and then majority of the team is from Misfits. It's gonna give them the best chance. And you don't want Swoosh to just be like, okay, I'm playing tank, practicing tank, learning a new role, and now I'm gonna go to BlizzCon and I'm gonna go DPS again. I feel like it just makes more sense to just get a new DPS and have Swoosh play tank, which is what they're doing. I think that gives them the best chance of of having success at BlizzCon, so I don't see why anyone should blame them. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think giving Team Sweden the best chance to win is that, you know, should... And that's kind of how the rules work. That's why you can change rosters at any time, right? Like, like otherwise, this would be a completely different thing. Maybe last last year you couldn't, right? Last year... How, how did the rosters work last year? I forget... Um, it was just basically it was, popular vote. It was just all one event anyway. Everything was just planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was also yeah. So the way it worked last year is that um, well, it wasn't all in. You did have online qualifiers for some teams. I think Team USA automatically got in. Like there are a few teams that automatically got to BlizzCon. There were online qualifiers, but uh, the people voted on four directly. Yeah, and then the and captain's then, like, picks are kind of things, right? Yeah, or, the captain got two other picks. Yeah, yeah. So that's how it went down well, last year. Those picks year. could have been any. Wait, could those picks have been changed at any time, or did they have to be those picks once you you selected them? They you had to play with those two people the entire time. I, I think it was, was they were locked event. in. Yeah, you were locked. Yeah, you went to yeah, yeah, I was only one. Yeah, okay. Well, no, no, you did have online qualifiers for last year. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think teams swapped during online qualifiers. There was a lot of drama last year, actually, surrounding yeah, yeah. like a lot of the international rosters. Yeah. There's also a lot of visa issues too, weren't there? Yeah. 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 Like uh I think it was like Cypher was coming in from Russia and then like got to the US and then had to get sent back because something like I don't think it was on Blizzard there. I think it might have been on Cypher. But okay, in any case, like he, he had to be thrown back and they had to get it's like, like a criminal record or something, right? Someone back early. Oh, did he really? Oh someone, what? Really? What was it Cypher? Someone had some like they did they like came here on a visa from another I think it was Cypher's story. Someone like came here, like, did something that was, like, really bad or, like, pissed off a cop to the point where it was, like, on his record and then couldn't get another visa to come into the country because they had done something illegal in the country already. Maybe it wasn't wow. Cypher. So I don't want to ruin his reputation if it wasn't. <laughs> there was stuff that definitely Cypher. happened last year. We'll just Cypher was at E-League, so... <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, it was AVIC. It was AVIC. I remember. AVIC. Yeah, it wasn't Cypher. Okay. Yeah, Cypher. I would have... Yeah, I wouldn't have surprised about that. Um, okay, anyways. You know, you know hopefully... You know, John. Again, you know, hopefully Johnny, you know, ends up figuring it out, and I don't know. Maybe there is some kind of crazy small chance that he makes it on the team, but if not, you know, I'm almost positive he'll be on the the desk. You know, at the very least. Um, but okay, well, why you, since we're talking about news, why don't we talk about the the biggest news this week, or at least so far, was that Seagull is joining uh, Envious, so um, joining Kai Kai here, and um, I mean that's huge news, just given that. You know, Seagull is obviously the most you know, popular streamer, personality figure, whatever you want to say, in, in the Overwatch community right now. And the fact that we have, like, one of the best teams, too, and you have these this kind of joining forces, or at least Seagull coming on to this, I mean, that's pretty incredible, at least from a standpoint of uh, marketing and just every, everything, really, just in terms of Overwatch League. So um, I think the biggest question, is, and given that, you know, we have you on the show, is just that how... 
are you guys going to be using Seagull? At least how do you anticipate maybe, you know, um, using them? Obviously, you're not going to have anything like concrete or anything right now, but there's all these crazy hypotheses out there, right? How MVS is going to use Brandon. And some of them are just outrageous. So we kind of want to hear from you what, what you guys are at least, uh, you know, maybe initially trying to test the waters with Brandon. I think the, the plan is right now that I have, and I think everyone's been talking about this for a while, but they've been talking or rumoring about how Seagull's like the best fit for our team because of his hero pool and the hero pool that we lack. And to some extent, that's kind of true. So we actually plan to use them about probably half the time. Like wow, there's that's a lot. Yeah. As of right now, yeah. I mean, it, it, there's definitely so many uses we could use him for, and there's so many different swaps we could swap him in for. It wouldn't just be him for time or him for effect maybe we could just do all kinds of things even like run stuff with like 4 dps with harry hook on dps as well so you never know like what we can do i think the main thing is is that it's gonna be way harder for teams to prepare against us and that's kind of like what i'm going for like i want to have a very like uh, a roster that's basically fluctuating in and out people won't be able to prepare they need to think about all the different possibilities and not just okay they have mickey playing diva coco playing winston and that's it like mm -hmm. So you bring up one interesting point here, and I don't want to derail away from Seagull too much, but so Seagull is one signing you have here. Uh, is it safe to assume that there will be other signings uh, going with that philosophy to keep it unpredictable and try and tailor a roster to the your strengths and the weaknesses of whatever team you're playing against today, given week? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think every roster will probably be like at least nine people, including ours, our we have like one other player that's not announced yet, and we're working on one of our, our last one or two players right now, but that'll come soon. Uh, we're definitely going to have a very a very high high skill, high versatile high versatility roster. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you know, what, kind of bring it back to Brandon. Like one of the things about Siegel is just that you know he was quoted in some interviews saying it's like one of the most difficult decisions he's made you know in his life, or at least so far in his life, and. Um, did you guys pull like a Golden State Warrior KD kind of thing where you guys all go and you know talk to him and you know try convince him to come over, or was this more of just him dealing with management directly? Siegel only talked to me and Mike. The other players did not even know that we had accepted or like went through with this trial until I think the day or t a day or two before it was announced. So it was, wow. was kind of like a surprise to them, right? But they're pretty hyped though. Yeah, everyone's excited. Everyone loves Siegel. I think he's a great fit for our team, actually. Like, his personality fits along with everyone. He's very smart. He provides input in our strategy talks and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I talked to him a lot, actually, over the past month because, I mean, he's just been... I mean, me and him have been really good friends for a while, but yeah. he was just telling me, like, he had a date in his head and it was, like, that weekend or whatever, like, he had, you know, however many offers, and they were all like, "Where do?" He was like, "Where do I go? Where do I go? Where do I I'm go?" Sure every team had an offer on the team. Yeah, yeah. so he, but he, the way he handled it was, he was just like, "I'm gonna give them all a deadline, and like that's it." And he, like, throughout the weeks, he was like, "Where do I go? Where do I go?" And like his his list would get like smaller in his head, and he would like rule some out. And I was like, "You know what you gotta do? Like, you gotta go wherever the management's the best, and like where the team is the strongest, and like the people that are gonna treat you the best." And I think, like, Mike and Hastro and, like, even, like, Kyle, like, they've all proven that, like, it's a good group of people that, like, that was, I think, his biggest influence at the end of the day. It wasn't so much, like, oh, is the best team. It was, like, I really trust Hastro with my future. And, like, I think it was a really good fit for him. And, like, 
just that whole scenario just worked out really well. So, you know, one big question about Siegel, obviously returning to, you know, competitive Overwatch and in a, obviously a big way with Overwatch League is, is this stream just going to be gone now? Like, is he going to be streaming at all when he's on Envious or, I mean, are we losing literally the biggest streamer in Overwatch? Where So that means the Overwatch ranking on Twitch is going to be, you know, falling back down into the, I don't even know where the rankings would be without Siegel. Well, well uh, why would it continue to fall down back down if you have Owl Games being broadcast on Twitch? I feel like mm -hmm. Owl Games being broadcast on Twitch yeah, would okay. more than point. compensate. Like, good, good point. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, if it was, I mean, Owl's not going to be broadcasted every single day of the week, right? It's going to be certain days of the week, I, I believe. Um, do, you think, yeah, see, do you think that there's a clause in his contract that he's not allowed to stream during Owl matches? Everyone will be streaming. Like, everyone on our team yeah. already streams. They'll all be streaming. They obviously won't be awesome. streaming during, on the weekends when we're, like, at LAN or something like yeah. that. But, like, in their off time at night when they're just practicing solo queuing or duo queuing or whatever. Wait, 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 wait. So there's no clause to not be able to stream during Owl matches? I would think they would have put a clause in there that you can't stream during Owl so. matches. I at the events, right? So Yeah. I, I mean, I I'm, I'm just talking about work, other teams. But... Like, other teams, you know, with big, you know, big, big streamers or whatever, big, big numbers that can totally take a lot of viewers from no yeah. blizzard would have to do that also i think you're really underrating how big a viewership owl is going to get particularly in the beginning if you're worried about personal streamers like drastically affecting viewership i i, I think if we're in a scenario where a personal streamer like a 20k is somehow adversely affecting an owl stream in terms of percentage of viewership there's way bigger problems there. I <laughs> think probably true. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think looking at, say, Contendo's viewership and thinking that isn't any way indicative of, like, owl viewership is just crazy. But that's well, just 20K so, versus 100K is still, like, a good chunk, even if it, like, I'm, 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 I would expect higher than 100, but... Yeah, likewise. Yeah. Okay, well, that's interesting. I just figured, yeah, I mean, you just want, obviously, all ducks in a row for just having that owl you know, broadcast be as big as it could possibly be, you know, just every single week. Um, but anyways, I, really exciting. I think for a lot of folks, including myself, you know, that love Seagull as well as Envious, this is like going to be amazing to see them together. Now, now it's just like, man, kind of put the, the, the stake in the ground. It's like, what are the other teams going to do now? We're going to see what kind of, uh, you know, hype and, and uh, huge announcements they can come up with too. Uh, see another bit of news. I guess just generally everybody pretty much knows this. That's why they're watching the show right now. But uh, Blizzard announced final teams of Al, and it just really solidified the fact that there are only going to be twelve teams. So um, you know, before I think everybody in just here, whether we were hearing or whatnot, you know, we we thought the the uh, they were trying to meet that fourteen team mark, but uh, it turns out that it's twelve. And um, you know, some like I think you know some people were talking about maybe they had thirteen but just didn't quite have fourteen. So they they ended up you know just going to 12 for this first season. Wouldn't be surprised if season two, we'll see, you know, a couple more, maybe, I don't know, maybe even like 18 teams, who knows? But, um, you know, obviously big news for those 12 teams, but what happens now, guys, like with everybody, you know what I mean? Like we're seeing, we're going to talk about a few uh, team brands that are obviously leaving Overwatch, but, um, you know, what happens now with the, the players? You know, like, like I, I mean, are people frantically trying to ping you for some trial, DM you for tryouts and, you know, if not, are they just going to quit Overwatch? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, it's it's chaos right now. I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who stays in Overwatch if they don't get now. Like, who's just going to give up or who's going to go to contenders and trying to keep making a name for themselves. But it's right now, it's complete chaos. 
I almost like I feel bad about myself because I was one of like the biggest advocates like a year ago, where like saying, "Oh no, the draft's gonna be so bad." I can definitely say that like it would have made this whole process much smoother right now. And less heartbreaking. I think the heartbreak is like actually the worst part about this whole thing. Like, so there's been so many rosters shakeups and just like people being told, "Oh, you have a slot," and then suddenly you don't. Well, the the yeah. biggest uh, things in terms of players that were doing really well for a long period of time, and now God only knows where they stand in terms of our priority would be Rogue for one roster and mm -hmm. yeah. uh, United for the other roster. Where I think pre-contender season one, there was more of a possibility of those teams actually getting picked up wholesale. And then their stock just completely tanked, I feel like, after what we've been seeing from contender season one, where I don't, I think that players from both teams will probably get in the owl in some form or fashion, but it won't be as a full team unit, which there was a possibility of it, but I don't think there's a possibility mm -hmm. of it anymore. It's nuts because contenders was like the best thing to happen to some teams, and it was like the worst thing to happen to some teams. And yep. depending on which end of that spectrum you were on, like Rogue got kind of boned by visas. And I mean, their match against Envy wasn't really that close, but you can tell that like the, after they got back to Vegas, like they looked better just overall. Like they definitely looked like they could have oh. been at LAN and done a lot better. And they're definitely a team that performs better on LAN in general. So like, Back to Kyle's point about like Envision's schedule, like it definitely hurt Rogue in particular. But I don't know. It's so hard to say because the, and even forget Rogue and forget you know Immortals or all the teams that did poorly or Renegades. There's like still teams that didn't even make it to contenders that like didn't even get to show anything, and they're just like completely off the radar. And they have been for since before World Cup started. Like the scene is in such a weird spot right now when it comes to like who's good and who's proven good because you don't know what the past six months have done to somebody because you haven't seen them play a match. So there is one thing I agree flame by the way, and I, I think we should delve into that, but before we get too far away from a uh, rogue and United, this is something that I noticed in watching these games. I'm curious to see if you guys agree, but I feel like if one thing caught up to both of these teams, almost equally, all other things aside was it felt like both of these teams did really well because of their DPS and support play over time. But we entered into a meta where tank play was really important. Like having a good solid front two, like you see in say FN or GFE, where they had like Muba and Cool Matt bringing things forward, was more important in a sense than what you had on tank or uh, supports and uh, DPS. And you take a look at say United, where they're running Shriek and Unfixed. Unfixed has never loved to play Diva, for example. Like I, I just feel like lack of love for tanking and off tanking actually kind of caught up to both of them in season one. I mean, I think it was everything, right? It was like, I mean, Kyle can speak to it more, but when it comes to the supports in contenders, I think that the support duos from the teams that are at the LAN are actually probably the strongest duos in North America. Anyway, I don't, I haven't really paid super, super close attention to Europe, but I think it was like the support duos and then the tank duos. I think some teams were too reliant on their DPS to carry them, but it got to a point now where their supports are getting so much better that supports are starting to carry again, like similar to how like Lunatic High wins off the back of their supports and tanks. So I think there's just like a natural progression towards the teams that do have the better tank support cores. I think the game right now is in a state where everyone needs to be good, not just tanks yeah. or DPS. I think the teams that are struggling are, the, are like kind of the teams that just said, hey, we're going to take a really good tracer and and get him to carry us. It doesn't right. really work that way. 
And the tanks need to be good. They need to enjoy playing tank, understand why they're playing tank. The supports need to be good. The the DPS need to be good. Like everyone needs to be good right now. Like you mm -hmm. can't have weaklings. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the so all these players that are going to be out there, it's going to be one of those things where you have to decide if you if you're willing to, you know, go for months, right? Until uh, well, you can actually go into season two, obviously, the contenders and and kind of ride that out. But you know, a lot of these brands are are leaving Overwatch, so it might not be. You know, you're not going to be under contract with any kind of team. It'd be, it's going to be more like these teams being formed together, you know, with the crazy logos and everything, right, for, for contenders and competing that way. Um, do you guys anticipate, like, a large percentage of the player pool right now, like, staying in Overwatch and doing that? Um, or do you think that there is going to be a mass exodus? Because I don't think we've gotten to the point where there's a mass exodus right now, like, in terms of players, well, no, there's a lot still up in the air. First of all, players yeah. haven't given up until, like until October 30th. People are still going to be like, you know, yeah, that's hard doing as best yeah. as they can. Like, but when it comes to contenders, I think it'd be super short-sighted to not keep participating. Like, you have to imagine that these teams, like the the league, will grow. I think Blizzard has a lot in store for everybody when it comes to season one and just like how they promote it and how the game looks and how the game feels, even as a viewer and as a spectator, as like someone who just supports the scene, I think that the esports part of Overwatch is about to like explode in a way that we haven't seen before because Blizzard hasn't really, you know, shown interest in supporting a lot. I mean, I say that like with a little bit of hesitation, but like I think Overwatch League in terms of what it does to the base game is going to be crazy. So like I think it'd be really short-sighted for players to like give up if they can't get in season one because you know more teams are going to come season two. And now we've kind of gotten past the point where I feel like to Kyle's point about like the draft and just like seeing how much of chaos it is now, players are going to learn like what the shortcuts are and like what the best way to put themselves in a good position is going forward. That like it'll be a lot easier to be like have make a structured team yourself. You know, don't give one player roster control. Don't let any manager be able to sell your team to someone else. You know, like <laughs> yeah. give like put yourselves in a good position to have a team that's going to be like well organized, well orchestrated, and then like give yourself the best shot to get on a roster for season two. I personally think there's going to be a bit of a rebound effect where from your generation, one players that are a little bit jaded and bitter that they didn't end up on our roster to begin with. I think there's a decent amount of them that will temporarily quit the game. But if Owl is a success that we all hope it is, and it does really well, I think those people will look back like mid-season and go, oh, wait, actually, I still want to give this a shot because, you know, the players involved are doing really well, the league is doing really well, and there will be opportunities. So I think there's going to be a little bit of doom and gloom when the rosters are eventually known and you see the players that didn't make it. But I think at least half of the players that probably will have public rage outs and everything else about how they're not involved might actually end up coming back if things right. do go well. So, um, I mean, I might have missed this, but um, in terms of the rosters that you guys lock for the teams, um, is that is that more of a, like a season by season type of thing? Is, is it a number of seasons that these like contracts are going to be for? Or is it more of a time thing? Like it's a year, you know, that that, that sort of thing. Because I'm wondering, like, how how often will you even be able to replace people on your roster, Kyle? Like, if um, even does it have to be through trades? Does it have to be like releasing for free agency? Like, is it? That type of process? I'm not sure I, I should. Okay, say that. if you can't say it, that's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of wondering. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I don't think anything is publicly. You're, been said about you're, only that, allowed so. to have you're only allowed to have 12 people on your roster max. 
Right. Yeah, that part is public. But yeah. all the other nuances, like, I don't know if yeah. anything public has been said. So I think. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. Kind of curious. That, next question. Because that's, that's obviously a big part of whether, you know, players will. Because not only, not only will there be new teams, you know, there'll be obviously these expansion type of situations. Uh, but also, you know, there could still be making it onto to existing rosters. Um, anyways, I'm hoping there, there won't be. I'm hoping, you know, Blizzard will do a good job of keeping contenders super you know, relevant and, you know, being that kind of developmental area that, that, um, you know, is going to be able to, uh, uh, you know, keep, keep the, uh, competitive scene, you know, at least from that standpoint, like keep it. Can I ask the Pia question actually? Sure. How did, how did you feel about the season? Do you think it was too long? Would you, I think oh. seasons could be shorter or like more frequent in terms for of games owl? first contenders. Oh, for, uh, contenders. I think a season is fine. I mean, I think the biggest thing here is that contenders is supposed to really glorify up and coming players, right? It's sort of uh, the idea that this is where you really get noticed and get to an owl team. I think it was just as far as uh, the actual effects of that, it was a little bit stranger here in season one because of how it overlapped with the owl signing window. I think like, let's say owls in full swing and you have uh you know, another season of contenders, hypothetically. I think in that case, I think it would be totally fine because then you get plenty of games to view people, evaluate them, etc. Right. It's just a little bit strange here because you actually had outright owl teams and like Envy and Immortals playing and that sort of stuff. I think muddied the waters a bit. Yeah, I think on the topic sure. of contenders too, like players staying in the playing contenders, we don't really know what the, the prize pool will be for season two and beyond. We also don't know what orgs are going to stay in and provide players with salaries to promote their brand mm -hmm. or, or whatever or make the like uh, academy teams so like until we know that it's kind of hard to say if players will stay or how many will stay at least yeah well the but, brands seem to be leaving I, you know speaking of which you know we bazooka puppies you know announced they were breaking the team after you know their the final match of contenders this past weekend and then clg obviously had an announcement too that they're leaving overwatch too um and then we've got Kangarna here which we'll talk about a little bit more in a second but you know the brands are you know they they seem to be leaving you know just in a con like a very consistent fashion leading up to OWL at this point so i, I guess the question is like are they going to come back you know like are they going to see I mean, how it could just be one? it could just be the overwatch league teams making break. like there could be an envy team in in contenders and there could be an optic team in contenders like you never know it could just be like all the OW te OWL teams have uh, mm. academy teams okay, so it's sure. like yeah. you never know i actually agree with that quite yeah. a bit in that as far as uh Owl teams having minor league teams go. I mean, that's how you see teams develop talent in traditional sports where you go for it. I think it would actually be very much in the interest of these teams that have spent so much on Owl to take a small portion of where they're doing there and create a team to try out people and whatnot. The teams that do that well are going to have access to way more talent than the teams that don't. So, And in general, too, the other thing that something like Contenders opens itself up to in the long term when Owl is running at the same time is that because the teams do own the spots and all the rest, there is an incentive there at some point to, you know, if you're an org that's really good at developing talent, you do that, find good players, develop them, and then you know, sell the yeah. contracts to our teams. Like, the, the, these are reasonable things that could happen. Yeah. Yeah, you could share from, you could look at it from a money-making business, too. Like, it's the same in regular sports, right? Like, especially with soccer, they definitely try to sign younger players and then give them pretty big buyouts and then, you know, use them as stocks essentially yeah, like you know, trading come buy this for me yeah right right 
and, and again, the reason why it's a little bit weird in season one is that you're sort of in the transitionary period, right? Where you have endemic orgs that wanted to be number one, whose, whose entire business model was, well, we want to be the best team in the world type of setup are sort of transitioning away. But eventually you'll have orgs that come in that transition and go, we want to develop talent and sell it to owl teams or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's actually something reasonable that could come about. It's just, there is a, you know, three to six month transitionary period is that sort of stuff as the old guard leaves and the new guard comes in. I'd be a little bit worried about that whole, you know, the, these minor league players basically having, or contenders uh, players having these contracts. And just because like, you could have an organization that just holds them hostage. It's like, no, we don't want, we don't want you to be able to get this guy. And it's like, we just want to hold him until like, you know, maybe he makes our team or, you know, like we just don't want you to have them periods. So uh, that puts players in a crappy position too, you know? So there's definitely good and bad things about it. Hopefully there'll be some things put in place so that the players, you know, won't be in that kind of position. We've already seen it right in the, well, in the community already. So I would hate to see, players in that particular position trying to get into the OWL being being held hostage in the minors. Well, but that would be part of the trade-off, right? Is that if you want a guaranteed salary so you can have time to make something your craft, you would sign with, say, a minor league team. And then mm-hmm. part of the deal would be is that you wouldn't be able to immediately go, oh, I'm actually doing well now. I'm just going to peace out and sign with whatever team I want. Like, that's part of the give and take. If you want a yeah. salary team, they also get the ability to sell your contract. You can also definitely just upfront ask for your buyout number to be public and you yeah. know, abide by it and stuff. I, to that point, I don't think anybody's going to be signing. If there's going to be lessons learned from this particular signing window, it's going to be don't sign any contracts that don't you know have a clause about when the owl signing window starts because there's been a lot of contract jail going around. I think players are so dumb with signing contracts. Even me, when I signed my Cloud9 contract at first, like... We were all so stupid. We didn't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you, it's, it's something you actually need to learn. Yeah. And you, like, some people are learning the hard way, and I hope people do their research next time. I would say, generally speaking, players tend to undervalue their worth when it comes to that, where you have people that haven't dealt with business before, don't know that. I mean, the way business works in a lot of fields is that you're not expected to generally accept the first contract that goes at you. Like they offer a contract. There's going to be parts in there where you say, no, no, no. You take out those parts, you offer your revised contract and you go from there. When people aren't experienced with business and you have players that, you know, generally they've lived their lives playing games. They haven't delved too much into the business world. They don't realize that that's how things go. And then they go to an org and they get their first contract and they go, Oh my God, if I reject this or ask for an alteration, the deal is off. Like everything's going to go away. This is my one chance. And, you know, hopefully as a sort of Kai Kai flame loot here, I do think that there's knowledge that's getting out there and hopefully people will be smarter. People Mm -hmm. still sign bad contracts. It happens all the time, but there are more resources and there is more knowledge going out there about, Hey, get a lawyer, protect yourself. You don't have to accept the very first offer you get. You, you have value and worth as a player. I mean, that, yeah. that's why players have agents, too. I mean, a lawyer, like, if you just get some general lawyer, I mean, obviously, they can read all, all they can read over the document, make sure there's no crazy things in there. But still, your worth is something that's based on the economics of the, you know, of the industry, right? And, it's not and, so much worth, too. It's just, like, forget the worth. Like, duration is so big and, like, you know, whatever yeah, they those can are, walk you into yeah. and, like. Yeah. There, there's that's like the really sketchy stuff like when it comes to the salaries I don't, I don't know how many players got locked into bad salaries but 
that was another if you got locked into a long a bad salary for a long amount of time then like you're in just like double awful jail in terms Dude, of like th- i don't know there i think there were some teams that actually had like the terrible combination of like a two-year contract six months ago for like 1750 a month type of stuff like just really short-sighted contracts that uh, i think most of them people have been able to get out of them over time and while those orgs that did that are mm-hmm. now out of it but yeah. th- there were some like truly awful contracts that people signed in the uh hopes and dreams of being esports and really good players too people that completely undervalued themselves because they didn't know any better well those days and a- those day and ages seem to be you know in the past or at least yeah, they're on the way out the top players yeah exactly um, well, let's talk about Kangarna a bit, given that, you know, they're one of the teams that's expand <laughs> and, you know, we've, we've had, you know, Michael's obviously been a, a topic of a lot of drama in the community and, and, uh, you know, Kyle and Michael had a, a little bit of banter that we saw <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, but, you know, Michael definitely posted, um, he, ex- he definitely had a post here that, that was explaining, um, a little bit more into why he made certain decisions, you know, in terms of the team and, you know, some ways like, why he was still playing, you know, a lot of people just didn't think he should have been playing for the team and, and things like that. Um, overall, I guess, what's your take? What's your take on Kangarna um, obviously disbanding and then just Michael's whole, um, I guess, explanation or just, you know, how he is running the team this whole time? So I'll just have a quick word here and let uh, Flame Kai Kai get into it. But okay. I think you have a really bad conflict when the objectively worst player on your team relative to other people in that role is also the team owner and can keep himself yeah. on the active playing roster. I don't think that's a great mix. And I mean, obviously you had a lot of circumstances go into that, but statistically, and just honestly, if you used your eyes, Michael was not playing very well at all for Kangarna. And yeah, I can imagine that might cause tension internally. Yeah. The, their whole team was actually like really good players, except for Michael. So it's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> all right I mean, it's true i mean could, who knows yeah. how far they could have gone without michael yeah. i think i i'm not sure how how true it is they held the team hostage i don't really know i don't really want to say something happened when i'm not 100 percent about it right but i do know that he should not have been playing for that team if he cared about the well-being of his team and especially his team getting on the out teams he should have have taken the hit realized he's not getting on an out team let someone else come in get them the playoffs and then the rest of his team would have better chances themselves that's the thing that done. the thing there too is like he also burned bridges, right? Is that there's a big need for staff for owl teams. Period. You need not only good players on rosters, but good analysts, good coaches, good people that can be resources for all that. And if Michael wanted to do anything other than being a player, if there was tension behind the scenes and disagreements, I think he probably hurt his chances to do some of that stuff in the future. Fine. I don't know, man. This is like a tough <laughs> one for me. Like I've talked about it a little bit because he did make that tweet longer about like you know what his point of view was, and I kind I don't want to yeah. say I sympathize with it, but like there was some legitimacy to what he was saying in terms of like I want the players yeah. to at least pay me if they want me off the roster, yeah. so that I can like own the roster from the shadows and then sell it. Because I definitely see the value there if he did actually believe in Kangarna as a brand and wanted to maybe get offers to sell the roster to other orgs because obviously orgs weren't were buying rosters like i mean liquid bought out or liquid lost their slot envision bought it out that worked out for them so if he was trying to take money from them so that he could make it 
like get money out of it and like get his worth out of it, then I could see that being valuable. So I don't hate him for that part, or I don't see like the negative of that part, but I do think it, he was definitely just in a shitty situation. It was like, okay, I made this team. I got all these players. Now they want to cut me, but it's my team. And then do I leave and give up everything that I've worked for? Or do I, you know, ha- like try to get something out of it and sell the brand and sell the roster? So there's like two sides to it in that regard. I agree with Kyle that like he definitely underperformed the entire season and there definitely was a lot of potential for that team if you replaced him. But I also wonder how much of that was also him underperforming just knowing that he was constantly trying to like give himself a reason. Like his mental state must have just been awful because he's spending the whole season just thinking like, oh, if I screw up, this is just more ammo for me to get cut. Because that team beat C9 to get into this mm-hmm. league. Like this team, he, he did look good on Tracer in season zero. And he looked good on Diva for a while too, even before they Where's got Bichu guy? on all tank. So he, there is one thing I want to point out here, though, Flame. You're saying like get something for uh, making the roster and otherwise, and that was a tough decision. So I think it's very straightforward and not necessarily the right approach in life to look at things from, uh, "Am I getting money out of this? I did this, etc." Because you are greatly undervaluing, or in this case, Michael, not you specifically, but like Michael, in that case, if that's how he was thinking, would have been undervaluing the price and power of the relationships involved there, where if there you know, is animosity between the Kangarna members, which you know, on the outside it seems like there is, you know, a lot, some of those players undoubtedly will be involved in OWL, whether it be as players, later on coaches, analysts, etc., is the value of you know five to ten thousand or whatever it might have been that maybe he could have gone for the you know team slot long term? Does that actually outweigh the monetary value that good relationships, both with your own team and with the community at large, could have brought him? Because it I- sounded like again, I don't know everything, right? But it sounded like it wasn't a hundred percent unanimous to get rid of him. It sounded like people like Baby Bay wanted to play with him, it sounded like a few people wanted to play with him. From my perspective, and this is like me thinking as a selfish like kid on a team, if if his options were I don't play at all, or I try out, or like I show my stuff in these matches and do well and get an Overwatch League spot, then it seems kind of straightforward. And I think like more shady things have happened than someone like forcing themselves on a roster. Like he could hit the other side. You could say is like he could have just sold the roster and just not even asked them. permission and like other teams did that to their players and they kind of just got away with it and like no one really criticized them for it so like there's like a weird i don't know what the word is like he's obviously trying he obviously tried to stay on the roster it was probably not the right move to your point like from a pr standpoint or from like a relationship standpoint but i don't think he did it maliciously i think he did it selfishly and also just like from it like it seemed right to him in the moment. I don't know. Like, I want Kyle to just drop the bomb because I, I want to <laughs> yeah. drop bombs, but I fe- I sympathize a little bit with the person who put the team together and like wanted to, you know, grow the brand or wanted to, you know, put the put himself in a good position because he obviously wasn't in a good marketable position as a player, given how like he treated a lot of people on Twitter. <laughs> I guess the four is Kyle's here. As I Chad do not is- mind what he said to me on Twitter. I I like shit talk. I said this so many times before on Reddit <laughs> that are like, oh, Kai Kai always tells people to be mature, then he shit talks Michael. It's just like, no, 
I really like shit talk in video games. I think it makes the entire game, the competitive community, more interesting, more fun, etc. Obviously, there's limits. I don't think Mike will really cross any limits that hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Have your feelings been hurt in Overwatch ever? <laughs> uh, not really. Okay. I was gonna say I feel like you'd be skin, a, it, man. I was gonna say I feel like you'd be a tough back. person to hurt feelings on. Like like the whole too easy reaver stuff was hilarious to me. That was like some of the highlights of beta. Like when <laughs> Reaver jumps jump shot too easy went Widower's Widow, then he just types out too easy in uh in match chat mid tournament. <laughs> stuff like that was just too good. But in terms of Kangarna qualifying for contender season one by beating C nine, I think C nine was was pretty broken at the time, which was obviously proven later on. I think that Michael just he he just should have never been on the team. Like I said, I don't know really what else to say about it. I I mean he said in a split longer that everyone on the team wanted to play with him except for Dogman, right? That's what his split longer said. But I find that hard to believe because the rest of their team is looking for Al teams. They want to get into Al. So why do they want to play with someone that's holding them back? They might have felt loyal to him, though. You know, like, I don't know, getting them together, like Flame, you were saying, like, you know, he put the team together, and, uh, yeah, there's there's some people that, that There's people that. who yeah. really like him, and, like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know him personally. I've never, like, spoken to him, but I know when I was talking to people going into Season 1, there were people who I thought would be coaches in Overwatch League. I don't know if they will be or not, but they were saying, like, I would pick this guy up just to be my hype guy. Like, you pay him the minimum salary and just let him shit talk for you on Twitter. <laughs> oh and, like, he, apparently, like, he, he was, like, a very vocal person that, like, you kind of, like, he brought something to the team that wasn't there. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I just think it's, like, I think it's weird that the he wanted to keep the roster to sell it, but, like, we don't talk about the people who did wind up selling the roster and, like, boning their team anyway. So, like... So, so so you would hire Michael to be the speed wagon of Overwatch, like the ultimate hype man. The yeah. flavor like, flavor. Of like no, like you pay him you pay him to show up at like the like the owl games, like at the studio, like in like a suit or something, just throwing jerseys into the crowd and like Oh my god. Just wilding out, dude. So the mascot is what you're saying. <laughs> like, Isn't there like a, a splice video with him in like a hot tub too? After like, like seeing him after tub. seeing him in a hot tub, I just can't even take him seriously anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was. I think you are right. There's oh definitely god. a Splice Hot Tub video. Oh my god, you're right. That's crazy. Um, well, anyways, that's a little bit of drama, obviously, in our in our community, but um, definitely tough situation for him to be in. But overall, you know, Kangarna is disbanding. I think maybe season two. We'll have to see what happens. But even if it is season two, I think it'll be a completely different team. Um, all right, moving on. Um, let's see. We're kind of like, I mean, we've uh, a lot also, Chad, like, I've never seen the hot tub video. I think the chat would appreciate if you like. I, I can't find it now. Video. I didn't have it like ready to go. Just search Spice Overwatch like, hot tub. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, Can you find this and put it on stream right now? Like, it doesn't screw the plan. We're going off the rails right now. Hot tub video needs to happen. Let's see it. Let's see it. All right. That was that. I'm the voice of the people right now, guys. I got you. All right. I got it. You got it? Give me the link, dude. I don't have it yet. Drop it in chat. Here we yeah, go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. I oh, my. oh my god. Why aren't you in this video, dude? <laughs> Flame. I think I'm expecting to see you in this video somewhere. Oh, that was after me. That was that was like when they went to Boston and like they had oh, okay, okay, okay. I'll just make sure this thing is not super loud or anything. Oh my god. All right. 
I can get in trouble showing this thing. Anyway. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the half oh of the Overwatch God. band. band. <laughs> oh, man. Seacrest Beach Hotel. <laughs> what is this? Marketing. This is hype videos, man. This is all. This, yeah, this is an art form. You know, scrims are going really well. Oh, no. What? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, what? What? What is going on? Oh, my God. <laughs> We're preparing really hard for the league, right, guys? You get on yeah, the elliptical yeah. machine. Yo, throw the ball. Foosball? Back to the hot tub. That's, what we, hot that's tub. what we want to see. Brad's like massive farmer's tan with like, you can see the white, he's still wearing the white beater in the hot tub. <laughs> he's still wearing the white beater. Okay, well, that's okay. the hot tub video, guys. I also have questions about whoever Splice like social media manager was like, <laughs> This is a good idea. This is a great idea. Let, let's hey, just do this. we're still talking about it, aren't we? So clearly it was a decent oh. idea, at the very least. I think uh, if it was done for a popular team, it would have blown up, actually. I think, right, right? Uh, you guys would have done it. Dude, if that was Taimu and Seagull. Okay, so you don't want to see Emi in a hot tub. Let's see Taimu in a hot tub. the bear. I forget Harry a bear, man. We gotta see. Oh, Harry cannot be a bear. He shaves his whole body. So. Oh my god! Does, does he really? Well, does he doesn't shave. Well, somebody shaves it, right? He can't shave his back. He's his chest, his stomach. It's all fully shaven. He's a beautiful young boy. Keep him up. Keep <laughs> free of hair. Oh man, beautiful young boy. That's uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go through contenders. I guess real quick. Uh, week six, um, final week. I think for the most part, everything that we were predicting happened. Um, I mean the the um, the Renegades match was definitely a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it was a little bit scary there. Oh for, god, that was the worst. So I was oh, in the man. green room, and of course, like I root for FNR GFE. I love Matt. Like you know, if they're doing well and I'm not casting, and I don't have to be uh, unbiased, I will sit there and be like, go FNR GFE. Of course, everyone else in the green room was rooting heavily for Renegades because it would be hilarious if Renegades had won. So it's like me versus the entire green room where you know, Monty was just cackling like when Renegades is doing well. I'm just like, shit, this isn't good. And eventually, like I was feeling tired under the weather. I'm just like, I'm just going to go take a nap. And when I wake up, hopefully this log nightmare will be over and FNRGFE will have gotten to the LA part and they won't have gotten spoiled by Renegades and... Thankfully, that is what occurred. So I still like to think I was just dreaming, but ugh. Yeah, it was it was scary at one point, man. It was two one, and then and um, I mean they they took them overtime, right? And um, what how, what map was that? Was that Ilios overtime? Yeah, Ilios. Wait, which one? Ilios was the was it Ilios overtime. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe it was Ilios, but um, you know, FNRGFE ended up coming back and winning through two, thankfully, and then ended up locking their position. They they wouldn't have made the playoffs if they would have lost there, right? Like Rogue, I think would have taken it, um, just based on the tiebreaker, I believe. So um, at least some type of drama there at the end, uh, you know, making the last week at least pretty fun to watch. I mean, that was like the most fun match to watch I think mm -hmm. I've seen in a while, even if it was yeah. like kind of clowny. But I think a lot of it was just like the patch kind of threw them off. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. from my perspective, anyway. Megachu made some crazy plays on Junkrat and Farah on Li Zhang that, like, probably should never happen and probably would never <laughs> we happen. We kind of anticipated that last week. We just felt like yeah, Mango was going to do some crazy shit with it. Megachu is a really good Farah, I think. I think he's one of the best. I just don't mm -hmm. see what else, what other heroes he's, like, putting on his resume right now. 
So qu- question in terms of, and this is interesting because there is a roster limit of 12. Would you consider, I'm not just saying bang at you specifically, but just general concept. Would you consider bringing on a one hero specialist when the hero is as unique as say Farah, where you're just like, we're going into Oasis. We know we can run a Farah on like two out of three stages or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be Oasis, just whatever the format is. Would you ever consider bringing on a one hero specialist or would they have to have a little bit more in the tank? No, I think Farah only is not good enough. I think it Farah Junkrat would be like absolute minimum, but ideally you want Farah Junkrat and Genji. Like they need to have all three of those options. Hmm. Okay. In my opinion, at least. Like in my thoughts of how this game should be played, that's right. how I think. Okay. Um. Well, like it's looking over at the Europe uh, results too. Uh, Europe was pretty. Pretty much what was expected, I would say. Um, no, I don't think any of these matches had a a, a lot on the line, uh, unless I have, to, I have to look at the standings again. But um, yeah, so I mean, we we've got the four teams from both sides um, in the brackets actually established already. So we can take a look at the brackets real quick too. And you guys are gonna be playing FN RGFE. So how you guys feel about, or how do you feel about that, Kyle? Uh, we were hoping to play Envision, <laughs> but right. I mean, FNRGFE's—they're a good team. I mean, I'm pretty close with Cool Matt. I think a lot of people know that now, mm-hmm. yep. especially from like World Cup and stuff. So it'll be exciting to see him and play against him on LAN. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think they could be our toughest competition there, simply because of LAN experience. Mm-hmm. Which another thing to note too about that is that we were actually. Once we, like, a big thing about going into the last week of playoff or uh, the season was beating Rogue because we thought that if Rogue makes it to land, they would be our toughest competition because really? of just, like, how wow. how experienced they are on land, which is a big, it's a big deal. So mm-hmm. once once we were up, though, like, once we, we had already won in us 3-2, I think Gibraltar, we kind of screwed around a little bit. Maybe we shouldn't have, <laughs> yeah. but it is what it is. So to that point, and this is sort of, throws it back over to you and i'm curious here is that obviously misfits had a somewhat of a collapse into the playoffs that went on in season zero where in season zero it's easy to forget but misfits they were dominant throughout most of the group stages and then fell apart for one reason or another into playoffs now they have revamped the roster upgrades like logics have been very significant but now they're heading to land where some of their people like swoosh and logics though they played in events like world cup they don't have quite the experience that other people do do you think that a team like Gaganti could surprise Misfits uh, in the land portion of Contenders Finals? I think anything is possible. I think both teams are doing pretty good. I don't really know how they are matching up to NA teams right now, obviously. But I think Misfits looks above and beyond the rest of E right now. Mm-hmm. Even though Gamers Origin almost beat them, if I recall. Yeah, yeah it but was 3-2. I, I think that was kind of a, a fluke. Because I think Misfits looks pretty fucking solid right now. Sorry. Yeah. F bomb. No, that's it's all good, dude. Uh, leave the bomb. Yeah, leave the bomb. Shut down everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I think Misfits is definitely the the favorite going into it. I mean, besides being the number one seed, I mean, they've been playing. Um, you could say they're as been as dominant as you guys have been over in NA, but clearly you guys are better. But <laughs> I think they would. There, there's been like equivalent teams like in both sides. It's been kind of interesting this season. Um, I think. I think, I don't know, this is probably unpopular, like, harsh opinion, but I think that the tank, I think, like, to Kyle's point, I think, like, Envision, I, I don't think that EU is at the NA level right now, yeah, on the I, whole. Clearly, no. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think Misfits is definitely ahead. I think Aganti is definitely it can they can do it. You know, it's like I don't think Misfits is unbeatable. I don't think Misfits is like the phase of Europe. I think or not the phase, the envy of Europe rather. So like I don't think that there's like a big gap or a noticeably large gap that's going to need to be overcome. But I think Logics right now is looking like a top like five tracer world. And like that's giving them this massive edge that a lot of teams can't deal with, and like it's crazy. I think he's better than top five world. I think he's top three at least. Wow, that's that's awesome. That's probably yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah. So I guess like no chance for Cloud Nine or One Two Three for any kind of upset here. Um, Back. I, I come. I'm, I'm curious to see what how Cloud Nine or what Cloud Nine appears. Uh, we didn't even talk about Cloud9 picking up Kong Du Panthera, you know, in the news section. So, I mean, they, they're just, they're just like completely stockpiling players and <laughs> teams at this point. So, um, you know, obviously the EU team's going to be completely different. But, um, yeah, you guys envisioning any chance of an upset anywhere? No, I think everything's just gonna go. Phase beat vision. Yeah, we beat FNRGFE, then we beat Phase. <laughs> and I think the, I think the same thing's gonna happen in EU. One beats four, two beats three, one yeah. beats two. All right. Well, hopefully something happens. It's gonna, it's gonna be. Kind someone of... gets sick. Someone could eat too many grapes. Yeah. Seen, someone's headset could not be plugged in. We've seen it all. You know, exactly. there's always there's always room for disasters on land. <laughs> exactly. Hey. It is the could give someone closer. the normal ZP flu that he always contracts. <laughs> okay, first of all, no. The, 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 ZP flu. The, the last time Virus. I got sick at an event, H1 ZP. <laughs> Flame. The last time I got sick at an event was MLG Vegas, and that was after the event, and came from Taimu. Taimu was like this human biological weapon where he was like incubating this virus off of like hardly any sleep and tons of travel. And I got the sickest I've ever gotten in my life because of Taimu like running up and slapping me in the face and like holding me tight. Like, it, I, I was just dying after that event. Slapping you in the face? Taimu was the bartender at the after party. Oh, was he? Oh, oh, so he, was, he was like rubbing his hands all over the glasses and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so we got some questions here, and uh, since we're going over some, let's just kind of cruise through these. So Jigson has a question. I have a question to read out to the show. G can you give some insight about the day-to-day -day work of a caster? This is um, more to, uh, for you, ZP. Uh, the day-to-day -day work for a caster and analyst. When you aren't actually casting, what are you doing? For ZP, how do you prepare for casting Overwatch Contender games, and do you have to do a lot of research beforehand? I mean, it depends on the teams that are playing and the where the event is at and if there's been meta changes or otherwise. There's certain points where if you expect a huge meta change in the game, I think it's pretty helpful to play the game more to get acquainted with it in addition to watching VODs or getting the scrims uh, earlier often. Uh, if the meta hasn't changed in a while and it's going to be a close game, I think it's pretty helpful to spend some time looking at stats, even though that's more the realm of analysts and all the rest. It can help to bring up uh, certain elements and fights to explain why a team is doing X, Y, or Z, where you can talk about, well, we know he's done this because I've seen it, and also add in the stat, blah, blah, blah. So yep. uh, for closer games. And then I would say the part where you probably do the least prep is when you've like week four of a consistent tournament, you've seen all the teams quite a few times and you're watching like a number one team versus number six team. Those are probably the games that have the least prep involved because not only have you seen a lot of all the teams involved so far, but you know, if you were to do stack comparisons or otherwise, you're going to see like one team just crushing the other. And at that point you just rely on your base of knowledge. I, I will note that it is different between casting and analysis where 
when it comes to analysis, no matter what, you want to spend quite a bit of time delving in the stats, making sure you can back up your arguments. It's not just about saying something. It's always about uh, being able to come up with the why as well. You don't want to be like, well, this team's looking good. And then just drop. Like you need to say, well, this team is looking good because reason X, Y, Z. Like always back up your points. And that's where research can help, particularly on the desk. Okay, uh, cool. Earwax has a question and maybe a little, maybe towards a flame and Kai Kai here. Um, writing this after, I guess, listening to episode 75, what are your thoughts on a character with a cooldown reset mechanic? Maybe a regular E ability would reset your target's cooldown and say the ult could reset the whole team's cooldown. Reverse Sombra style, basically. Oh, what, so I can like double I res now? Yeah, so I can quad res now. <laughs> uh, All right, so this okay, ignoring the current mercy, <laughs> like, uh, what do you think about the like Zarya? That would be really good for Zarya. I don't know. That could just mess the whole balance of the game. Yeah, it's like a double ulting. <laughs> like that's pretty powerful. Disgusting. I think the current state of Mercy just like ruins this question. It would have been a little bit more interesting before, but now it's just like, no, I'm good. I, <laughs> I don't need this mechanic in the game right well, now. I think just I think generally speaking, the ultimates are so powerful that <laughs> this kind of ability just would be way too powerful, and nobody would ever not pick this character. Well, it depends on how good the gun is. You know, like what you're giving up for it. Like you have to give up a DPS for it, and then suddenly. You don't have any damage, or you have to give up a support. You don't have any speed or something. I don't know. Like you can balance around it. I don't think that's okay. The problem. It just hypothetically like speaking, there's a character that does nothing else except for it gives you this ability. Just runs around and it. just does this. Would you play it? No. <laughs> no. I don't okay. Think anyone would. Okay. Yeah. Just not. That's not quite. It enough. would just be providing like a like a basically a lesser version of that hero that it's giving the buff to, right? Like without a gun or without giving any damage. So. I don't feel like that'd be good at all. Like it needs to have some type of like something else going for it too. I wouldn't hate like a hero that like there's this ability in Dota. It's like they gave it to Void where like if you use an ability, it like freezes your cooldowns, and like it's not a silence. It's just a like like if you didn't use the spell yet, you can use it, but then your cooldown gets frozen, and any spell that you've used, the cooldown gets frozen too. And it's like a couple seconds of just added time on your cooldowns. I think that's like a really cool ability that could be like an ult. Or just an ability, but like that's something that's probably it's like the opposite of what you're suggesting. But yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, the me fifty five. Yeah, he actually has a couple questions. But the first, the one that we didn't get to last week, I'm gonna ask someone first. I'm a, I'm a writer, and I was wondering what expansion um, of the league in attention on the league. Or um, oh wait, well he is. I guess he's just following the league. What do you think uh, a good way to break into the league as I think each team in the... Oh, wait. <laughs> I could have sworn I read this question before. Um, I'm not sure that's the case, given your... I'm just going to call you out here. I, I don't think you read so this I, I think so, I, so his question is basically, what do you think is the best way to break into um, you know, making, creating content for the league you know, in terms of being a writer... You know, or it can extend it even being just a content maker. You, know? you just gotta do uh, it. Create content. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like it's actually it sounds so simple and it sounds so dumb, but like it's true. It's like you just gotta do it, and like it's gonna suck for a while, and people aren't gonna watch your stuff, or people aren't gonna care. But it's all networking, and it's all just doing it. And if so, you can't, like I don't know. 
I mean, I'm sure I you've heard of Flame this. asking that same question back in like. <laughs> That's what I mean, exactly. Yeah, and I told him, I was like, Flame, oh, so start true. making contests, start so analyzing true. VODs and putting it on YouTube. And he started yeah. doing it, and now look at him. So it just shows that it works. Yeah, you just have to do it. And like, you have to like get over the fact that like you're going to be irrelevant for a while and like no one's going to give a shit for a while. And like. It's true. So when it comes to casting, I know Hex and I, uh, and I mean, it's no different than analysis where I'm sure you've given the same advice out, Flame, now, and Kai Kai, you gave the advice to Flame, and <laughs> so on and so forth. But you know, we literally get asked by casters who go, casters who go, look, I want to break into casting. What do I do? And we're just like, recast VODs. There's, not, there's nothing stopping you right now from going through as an up-and-coming caster, grabbing a partner, muting like the contenders VODs, the Apex VODs, whatever, and just recasting them and posting to Reddit and being like, hey guys, we're working as a caster team, give us your feedback. And just creating a long work product. Uh, too often people get the idea where they won't do anything unless they get a unique opportunity, where for casting, they won't do cast stuff unless it's them as the primary casters or for analysis they won't do analysis unless they're the primary ones doing analysis on a particular event just make content so like to, to i mean you're you're totally right about just make you have to make it you have to have a you know you have, you have to have something to like show people so i think that part of it is not really what he was asking i mean he's a writer too so it's hard to actually get writing out there as well. I mean, being a video maker, it might be easier in terms of, of that. Uh, just because the journalism sites right well, now, are, I mean, where, where are you going to post that? I mean, it's like twit longer and just to interject. I don't, yeah. I think when you're trying to break into a scene, limiting yourself to one platform is really stupid. Like even if you want to focus more on writing, you should be doing writing and making videos. You yeah, I've been approached to do writing, and I have never done writing before. Yeah, but there are there are journalists who are just writers. I mean, I don't I don't want to say that you sure. have to do video. I mean, there are great but, writers like for ESPN and things that only yeah, but, okay. So like, so let's talk about breaking into ESPN. You like definitely need some crazy networking, or your articles have to be really good. And your articles yeah. won't be really good unless people are reading them, and people aren't going to read them unless they like have a reason to. So. It's hard right now, I would say, to be a writer coming in, and I know a lot of journalists would probably agree, but you do have to like at least make a Medium account or you talk to somebody to get yourself published because yeah, someone and with so, like 100 followers on Twitter isn't going to get a lot of readers, and then they're not going to get hired by ESPN down the road. Like You have to grow somehow. Or, or even right, and also, just to, let, I mean, let's just clarify here, too. I mean, you're saying, oh, yeah, we need writers. Like, just, you know, just focus writing. You don't have to do the other stuff. That's such a ass backwards way to look at getting into it because well, in the end the way you want to go about it, it, it but I you mean, need to go for all avenues you can't just yeah. focus on one thing like yeah maybe you can get into it if you do just one thing realistically speaking the more content you put out there like the better and more well-rounded you're going to be a and b is that we also live in a society right now where it's like much easier to get video content out there so even if you wanted to do writing as your main thing you would be incredibly incredibly well advised to also do videos also like utilize these other mediums at the same time and eventually maybe translate that to just writing but mm -hmm. if you only do writing to begin with you are running into it with both hands tied behind your back well one thing i'll say too is that you know once you do have whatever you're going to be making whether it's you know a, a piece like a writing like a written piece or it's a video or whatever if you get somebody that actually is very influential to like your work that's going to help quite a bit too, you know? So I don't know, just whoever has, you know, is very, very popular in the Overwatch community. If they love your work, they'll promote your work. And sometimes if it's just the right circumstances, that can just be enough, 
you know, where all of a sudden you can build momentum because it's all about just getting some kind of momentum. Once you have momentum, then you can build upon it. And then, you know, you can, you know, affect things maybe a little bit more uh, yourself with whatever it is, your content or whatever. But to get started, that's the hardest part. Our hardest part is just moving them. The well, meter people, the I mean, I will say that for me, I got in at like a, at the right time, right? I got in as the casters were starting to get into it. So regardless of whether or not everything I said, which like was right or not in the beginning when the game was new, it was like my interpretation of it, right? So people needed something to listen to or learn from. And like most of the casters wound up watching my content. And that was kind of like my shoe in in that like people like Monty were watching it, Doa was watching it. Right. The, the CS casters that went to E-League were watching it and they were giving me feedback. And then suddenly like I had big journalists messaging me like, hey, this is good and I want to help promote you and stuff like yeah. that. So. You have to get lucky, I guess. I mean, it's such a network-heavy field. That's, All of this is super network-heavy. luck, though. I hate it when people just... No, but it, no it's not luck, but it's, it's timing not, and it's, it's networking. Yeah. There's and definitely some... Work. Yeah, it's hard. You, but, like, there is definitely yeah. some... Like, you definitely want, like, that extra push. You Like, the timing was definitely right for me. It's definitely going to be harder for someone that's unknown to come into the analysis scene now. Not that the, the analysis scene is large, but... You know what I mean? Like you have to find know, someone that's like, gonna so you help think you. you can, so you think you can be on the desk type of, you know, things now yeah. that Blizzard are putting out. Yeah, we need to. So. We need to get like an America's Got Talent desk. I'll sit there with a button. And people might think I'm putting something on blast by saying this, but I'm just speaking in general here, based on like you know what we've seen, what people have had success. I think you have to know what you're trying to go for. Like, there's a very different demographic if you're trying to make sort of like YouTube clickbaity stuff and serious videos. The type of videos that Flame made, for example, were much more well-respected by people looking to do serious desk work and whatnot mm -hmm. yeah. than videos that are sort of like, are you bronze right now? Let us try and help you by doing blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, those videos have their place, don't get me wrong, but doing that's like, know your audience, right? Are you catering to the high end and trying to like do owl level stuff? Or are you trying to cater to casual play? Because those are two very different audiences. Trying to do the catering to people that are just trying to learn, etc., is not necessarily going to help you get a broadcasting job when people look at because, you know, it's not the target audience. Whereas if you're trying to get into high-level analysis, that's where you yeah. want to do your breakdowns of, like, NV versus FN or GFE or whatever. Right, right. Okay, well, uh, good questions this week. Oh, and again, if you guys have any other que or any questions for us for next week, go ahead and email those to theoverview at chamanview.tv and we'll get them. Hopefully, I'll, I'll read them a little bit better and like, interpret them before we actually get on air. Uh, but uh, why don't we do some shout-outs now? We're going to wrap up the show. We went over by a lot tonight, but we did get started a little bit later too, so maybe we didn't go over quite as much but uh kyle man thanks for coming on it's great to have you on we got we definitely have to we definitely need to have you on more that's for sure but um yeah you want to do any shout outs before you take off uh shout out to all of envy sponsors and <laughs> you're supposed dallas. to have that list dallas. that is the lazy lazy shout out right there man you're Dude, supposed they, to have they, that. they keep changing right now they're changing a lot right now okay give me a break there's there's a lot of change it might not even be his sponsor soon you have to realize yeah that. yeah okay. shout out to the city of dallas and follow my twitter at kai kai you forgot about shouting out to the hot tub video please and your shout outs <laughs> Dude. Stay away from the hot tub video. <laughs> <laughs> and the hot tub. Uh, all right, ZP, want to do shout outs? 
Uh, shout out. Uh, just follow me on Twitter at TempoZP. Definitely check out uh, all the cool Overwatch content that's on the way. Uh, Overwatch Contenders Finals is uh, coming up. You guys should check that out when it comes out. And yeah, I mean, just a general cool times for Overwatch Esports. Uh, you know, keep following yeah. it. Totally. Flame? Yeah, I mean, shout out to everyone that I normally shout out my Discord. You know, everyone that's been supporting me thus far. There's a lot of cool stuff coming and like, it's kind of nuts. I mean, me, ZP, Kyle, like we're all kind of in front of it right now, but there's so much more that's like on the line right now that for that people understand that people don't understand rather. And I think the game's about to explode in a way that like nobody really thought it could, or at least I didn't at first. So it's kind of cool for me right now, just seeing like, you know, a year and a half ago, I was definitely like a big naysayer and like seeing it come to fruition and like be real in front of me is kind of insane. And I think everyone should be excited about that. Yeah. Dude, I remember a year and a half ago, you're just like, <laughs> dude, it's just, it's so bad for this game that this Winston can just like leap on me and kill me as a McCree. Why can't I just like two shot this guy? What 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 the hell, Blizzard? Well, there was a time where like you if you turned a corner as a McCree, you got flashbang for like two seconds. Yeah. And like <laughs> you just you just weren't playing the game for two seconds. And I remember being so mad about that for so long. But no, the good, game's come the game's really come times, a long way. Good times. <laughs> yeah, back in the day. When you compare it to like a year and a year and a half ago, it's actually insane how yeah. far the game is. No, come. absolutely. Uh, just round things out. Thank the three of you guys for doing the show tonight and everybody for staying up. If you're on the East coast and watching, obviously if you're a European man, you're a hardcore fan, they're watching, but we'll have the VODs up on youtube.com slash champion V and you can find uh, the overview as well as my other podcasts, Overwatchers in value town over on iTunes, as well as Google play and, uh, soundcloud.com slash champion V just search for overwatch, search for all those good things. If you like, the podcast leave us a five-star review it helps us a lot when people are looking up overwatch podcasts uh but that's gonna be it guys for this show so for kai kai zp flame and myself champion v we'll see you next week <laughs>